Hi there, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Health Discovered Podcast, where we bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives, like our recent episode on how heart failure can particularly affect women in Black and Hispanic communities. We've documented it time and time again. She was young, she was Black, she was a woman. No one expected her to look like the face of heart failure. When you don't look like what someone expects, that's going to lead to delays in diagnosis. We all have to take this constellation of symptoms, treat it the same each and every time, whether it's a young person, a black person, a woman. If someone presents to me with my heart racing and feeling winded, I need to get an echocardiogram 100% of the time, regardless. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Health Discovered Podcast, where we bring you fascinating stories and unique perspectives, like our recent episode on how heart failure can particularly affect women in Black and Hispanic communities. We've documented it time and time again. She was young, she was Black, she was a woman. No one expected her to look like the face of heart failure. When you don't look like what someone expects, that's going to lead to delays in diagnosis. We all have to take this constellation of symptoms, treat it the same each and every time, whether it's a young person, a black person, a woman. If someone presents to me with my heart racing and feeling winded, I need to get an echocardiogram 100% of the time, regardless. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We have got a great Friday show. We always have a great Friday show during football season, but this one in particular, Darian Hopkins, the newest member of the Grid Network, will be stopping by in about a half hour for our new Friday segment, which we debuted a couple weeks ago, The Vol View at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Don't miss it. Tennessee, big game against Florida this weekend. Very excited to discuss with my man Darian, who happens to be a big Vols fan. Shout out to uh, to all of the, the higher-ups, whoever they may be. I know exactly who they are, but whoever they may be at the Grid Network for adding not just a very talented uh, individual to the network, but also a guy who's obviously a very smart guy because he's a Vols fan. So props, uh, props to Darian. Very excited to have him on the show in about a half hour. Also going to get into Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today, his first interview uh, since the Achilles injury. It was fitting that he gave it to McAfee, given that he does Tuesday interviews with McAfee every week. And he gave us, in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion, he gave us some good sound bites. That's one thing. I've been critical of Aaron in the past. The man is a content provider. And I do love that. I'd rather Aaron Rodgers than a Kawhi Leonard who doesn't talk, okay? So props to Aaron. I'm going to talk about that. Also, uh, Jay Norvell, that is not a name I thought I would be discussing uh, on this particular episode of Carving It Up Live, but he really put his foot in his mouth. If you haven't heard by now, you'll hear later what he said about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Very interesting. We'll get into that later. And at the end of today's show, it's Friday. What are we talking about? Week 2, NFL predictions, including... Upset of the week, Bryson's bleak bet, and if I were a bet man. 
Two of the three I'm looking to bounce back on. I got the upset of the week right last week. I picked Miami to beat LA. They did. I feel great about my upset of the week going into uh, week two. Again, there's not a whole lot of upset opportunities, by the way, just because there's there's not that many big lines. I mean, Buffalo and, and the Raiders is a big line. Jets and Cowboys is a big line. There's not that many of them, though. So very interested to get into those, uh, uh, the Sunday predictions for week two of this NFL season. But first, so... The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Minnesota Vikings last night by a final score of 34-28 to in the first official Thursday night game of the season on Amazon Prime. Michaels, Herb Street on the call. And I'm hearing today, watch the game straight through, obviously. I'm seeing a lot of today, hearing a lot of today through various media outlets, whether it be television, radio, print, podcast, whatever the case may be, that, man... Philadelphia has not looked all that impressive through their first two games of the season. They are 2-0, but kind of an ugly win on the road against New England. You open up 16-0, you're kind of rolling, got a pick six there, and you end up winning that game by five, having to stop a Mac Jones-led offense at the very end there in Foxborough. And then four days later, in the home opener, a home opener in which, <laughs> before the first quarter even concludes in classic Philadelphia fashion, the Boo Birds come. It's Philadelphia, why are we shocked? But anyways... They kind of get off to a slow start, some, some turnovers a little bit. Jalen Hurts threw a really bad interception over the middle of the field, but they 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 bounce back. Uh, Minnesota had some terrible turnovers. We'll get into that aspect of it as we go on through the segment. But Philadelphia ends up winning in winning the game 34 to 28 in large part, led by their incredible, unstoppable run game. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, on the night against Minnesota. Albeit not against a great defense, or at least a defense is trying to find itself. But Minnesota ran the ball 48 times for 259 yards, three touchdowns. By the way, five yards average on the ground. So Minnesota could not stop them all night long. And that's kind of the point I want to get at is this. I feel like we are, listen, how you react to something is completely based off your expectations. Philadelphia is coming off a season in which they had the number one seed. Jalen Hurts finished second in the running uh, in the voting for MVP behind Patrick Mahomes, and Philadelphia got to the Super Bowl, lost what was a Super Bowl classic to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the NFL's budding dynasty. And so there's a lot of expectations. Sure, you lose both coordinators. Sure, you lose some players defensively, but you still have the core of this group. You still have Jalen Hurts. You have you have uh, Devontae Smith. You have A.J. Brown. You have a great offensive line. Defensively, you've got probably still a, a top three pr uh, front in football. And Nick Sirianni, while I don't think he's exactly Andy Reid or Mike Tomlin, has proven himself to be a solid NFL head coach. The expectations rise. I'm not disappointed in the slightest with Philadelphia because this is kind of what I expected from them, not just to start the season, but in terms of, and again, you don't want to overreact. Again, only the Vikings-Eagles, only two teams in the NFL at this point to play two games. But my expectation for Philly is, look, they're really talented. Uh, I think they're well-coached. They're good situationally. Jalen Hurts is one of the best leaders in the NFL. They've got talent all over the place. They play in a brutal division. They'll finish second in that division. And I think best-case scenario that they're the best team in the conference. I think Dallas and San Francisco are neck and neck. I give the Niners the, the edge for the time being. And it's going to be between kind of Philly and Detroit for that for that third-place spot. We saw Detroit against Kansas City. You guys know I believe in Detroit all offseason long. I have no reason to believe uh, that the Lions, barring injury, knock on wood, uh, th that my expectations for Detroit should change in a negative way. And so listen, when you go to a Super Bowl, when you when you have sustained success, which Philadelphia has, uh, incredibly with multiple head coaches, multiple quarterbacks, 
It's kind of like an Alabama syndrome where Nick Saban in Alabama's lost a lot of coordinators, and eventually you get to a point now where all of his good coordinators are successful head coaches, and you're having Kirby Smart beating him, and Jimbo Fisher beating him, and and you got uh, Steve Sarkeesian beating him just last weekend in Tuscaloosa. Like, that's, that's part of the process of being a successful team. Now, Philly's not the dynasty that Alabama is, but it's the same sort of energy. And so I think for for Philadelphia, that's going to be the question moving forward is whether or not they can replace those pieces. We understand Shane Steichen, I think, was a massive loss given that you know what he did for Jalen Hurts from a developmental standpoint, and now what he's what he hopes to do in Indianapolis with uh, with Anthony Richardson. Again, what the way I view it in the NFL is, and if we get to December and Philly's still kind of struggling in the pass game a little bit defensively, they're not great. But as for the you know sort of towards the the, the defense. Didn't we kind of say all of last season, didn't we kind of say all offseason, especially when they were losing defensive pieces, that they kind of feasted off of bad quarterbacks last year? And now, by the way, not just your safeties are gone, now your linebacking core, Nicobe Dean's down, your linebacking core is really thin. And so that's another, you know, sort of deficiency you're trying to deal with. Mac Jones, who I've religiously stated is a backup quarterback in the NFL, played solid. Then you got Kirk Cousins, who I've always said is about the 12th, 13th best quarterback in the NFL. Kirk Cousins had a great night. You say, oh, his numbers are kind of empty. Kirk Cousins wasn't the reason that Minnesota, outside of the one strip sack, Kirk Cousins wasn't the reason that Minnesota just kept turning the ball over and over and over. All the, fum- <coughs> excuse me, the fumbles on punt returns and, and, and on running plays. Like, that's, that's not Kirk's fault. Kirk went up and down the field on those guys. By the way, just as far as the scheme is concerned, here's what I couldn't figure out. So... Uh, Philadelphia takes advantage of the turnovers, overwhelmingly so. They're up 27-7, to and Minnesota's just going up and down the field, and it's not because Philly's playing a prevent defense or anything. I mean, it isn't like it's they're up 20 with two minutes to go, and it's just keep everything in front of you. Let's just get this game over with. It's, I mean, 20 is a, listen, this is the same Minnesota Vikings team that came back from a 33-point deficit against the Indianapolis Colts, so it's not like they're they're a stranger to, to mind-blowing comebacks. And so, for Philadelphia, my question was, why are you singling up Justin Jefferson? That's probably the best receiver in football, at least in my eyes, although Tyreek Hill is putting up a pretty compelling case for that title. But they're not giving any attention, or I'm saying they're not giving more attention to, to Justin Jefferson than they are Jordan Addison, the young kid that they drafted out of USC. And I think Jordan Addison could be really good. He's no Justin Jefferson. So defensively, the scheme was what was a little odd. And again, the secondary is a point of, uh, of concern, a point of weakness. And I said that for Philly coming into the season. But you know what they did? They did what any smart team, any great team does. And I do believe Philadelphia is a great team. I do believe Philadelphia is a contender. I just don't think they're on the level of San Francisco or Dallas. Can they beat them? Sure, they could beat them on, on a one-game basis, and that's all the playoffs require. I just think today they're the third best, fourth best team in the NFC behind Dallas, San Francisco, Detroit. We're neck and neck with Detroit as we sit here today, but you get the point. What did Philadelphia do? Minnesota makes the comeback. Kirk Cousins is kind of in a rhythm. Justin Jefferson's playing well. He's getting the football, making plays, recovering from what was a terrible fumble in the first half. And what does Philadelphia do? When the score, what was the score? It's a six-point game uh, at this particular point in the game. Yes, 27-21 Philly. Minnesota scores a touchdown. There's seven minutes, 41 seconds left. So game is, is far from over. What does Philadelphia do? DeAndre Swift, seven yards. DeAndre Swift, four yards. DeAndre Swift, three yards. DeAndre Swift, two yards. Then Jalen Hurts completes a pass to AJ Brown. Big third down conversion, gain of 12. DeAndre Swift, uh, 40, big 43-yard run. DeAndre Swift, two yards. 
DeAndre Swift, two more yards, touchdown. They know, and they, like any great team, what do they have? An identity. Any great team in the NFL, any great team in sports, the one thing they all have in common, they know what they are, they know what they're not. I've said this about Nick Sirianni. I don't think he's some genius head coach. I probably wouldn't put him in the top 15 today. What Nick Sirianni did is what some coaches don't do for pride purposes, but he said, you know what, I'm going to put winning, I'm going to put the organization first and foremost. What did he do exactly? Remember he took the job two years ago? Remember he had the bad press conference? You're like, oh, he looks like he's reading off a teleprompter. It's kind of clunky. And Philadelphia got off. I think it was to a 3-6 and six start in 2021. Hurts is kind of looking shaky, and the defense isn't always playing very well. And, and situationally, they're not, they're not stellar. And what did Nick Sirianni do? He said, you know what? I know where I'm good at, what, what I'm good at, and what I'm not. I'm going to hand the play-calling duties to Shane Steichen. Philadelphia took off, made the playoffs. The next year, they made the Super Bowl. Now, Shane Steichen's not in that building anymore, but if there's any team, there's there's any coach who's self-aware, maybe not self-aware in the sense of, you know, beating his chest, chest on the sideline, he's a little more unconventional in that regard in terms of uh, being a, an upfront and center head coach. We're not used to seeing that, certainly in the National Football League, but in terms of his coaching philosophy, he knows what he is. Philadelphia knows what they are. That's why they've been one of the most successful franchises in the last two decades with multiple Super Bowl appearances and a title to show for it. With multiple quarterbacks, multiple head coaches. This organization knows what they are. A power-running football team. Now, does that have its limits? You're darn right it does. As we know, the last four Super Bowl champions, none of them, I shouldn't say none of them, one of them was ranked in the top 20 in rushing, and that was Kansas City last year. I think it was last year's Chiefs team who were ranked 20th. So barely in the top 20. You don't need to have a great running game to win the Super Bowl. But Philadelphia, Philadelphia knows what they're great at, and they have a quarterback who, if they need him to throw, if they need him to make plays with his arm, didn't we just see him in that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes? Many argue he outplayed Mahomes, and Mahomes played amazing, played perfect in the second half of that game and won the MVP of that football game. Philadelphia knows what they are and what they're not, and what they are is a very talented football team, a very physical team up front on both sides of the ball, and they're going to be a handful. So I don't think it's a situation where with the skies, again, they are 2-0. and At the end of the day, the NFL is not the AP poll in college football. You don't need style points. You don't need to, if you're playing a bad team, uh, or, or I shouldn't say necessarily a bad team, but like a, a D2 team, you don't need to beat them by 50. You just need to win. You just need to win. It doesn't matter about style points. It doesn't matter about strength of schedule or, or record, all that. You just need to win. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings won last year, uh, won 13 games with a negative point differential. It obviously cost them the playoffs. It didn't cost them in getting to the playoffs. Philadelphia will be fine. Philadelphia is well coached. Philadelphia has an excellent roster. By the way, they get 10 days off. They get to go to Tampa Bay. I should say, I'm sorry, 11 days off. And they get to go play Tampa Bay on the road in week three. They'll beat Tampa Bay. Eagles are going to be fine. I have no, no concerns whatsoever. Other than the fact, other than the fact, they're not great against competent quarterbacks. Even Mac Jones, who I don't even know is quite that, went up and down the field on them in the second half. And Kirk Cousins looked awesome in the second half against the Seagulls defense. That's my only point of concern. But in terms of what what they know they are or aren't, they're as secure as any team in football. So I'm not worried about Philadelphia uh, moving forward. They they are kind of what I said they were. They're a top three, four team in the NFC. They're not going to be quite as good as they were a year ago, but they'll absolutely be in the mix uh, once the playoffs roll around, once we get to to January, obviously, if if their key pieces are able to stay healthy. So I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not terribly concerned about Philadelphia. By the way, 
Again, Carving Up Live, uh, feel free to, feel, uh, to make your opinions known in the comments section. We would appreciate that, obviously. Got NFL predictions later in the show, uh, NFL Week 2, Sunday's action, because obviously we had the Thursday night game last night. I did pick Philly, although I took Minnesota plus 6, and they, they got that late touchdown with under 2 minutes left. I'm like, yes! Okay, so I win in both instances. Um, I thought it'd be closer... Again, this, the final score doesn't in, indicate how much Philadelphia kind of controlled that football game, particularly in the second half. But, yeah, there you go. So, for Minnesota briefly, and then I'll get to I'll get to Aaron Rodgers, who spoke to Pat McAfee today. So, Minnesota's 0-2 now, a bad home loss to Tampa, and they go on the road and they got beat by a better football team. It's as simple as that. Philadelphia's a better football team than Minnesota. I think that goes without saying. Uh, some people are dancing on their grave. I shouldn't say da- I don't think there's that much hate for the Minnesota Vikings unless you're a Packers, Lions, or Bears fan or a Kirk Cousins, you know, hater. I've been a Kirk Cousins realist. I, I would not consider myself a Kirk Cousins hater. Point is, Minnesota's not done. The NFC, I have to admit, albeit early in the season, is a bit better than I thought it would be. I have to say, forget the contenders. Forget your Phillies, your Dallas's, your San Francisco's, your Detroit's. Green Bay looks better than I thought. Again, it's only one week, and they played Chicago, but Jordan Love played well. Atlanta's defense looks pretty solid, and so does New Orleans. So, it's it, the middle of the NFC is a little bit better than I thought. I think Seattle will get it back up on his feet uh, within the next few weeks, so that they, they should be fine when it's all said and done. Philadelphia is not done, okay? They've got a Chargers team next week. You're like, oh, the Chargers. Char- Chargers got more talent than the Vikings. Yeah, they also have a clues- clueless head coach. Minnesota, I, I think I would almost give them the edge to win that game. They got a young Carolina team who they're better in it, better than. Then they play Mahomes of the Chiefs. That's a different story. Then they play the Bears, who they beat up on often. 49ers, eh, that's tough. Uh, then you got Packers, Falcons, uh, Saints is a winnable game. Broncos, Bears again. And then they finish with Raiders, Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions again. The schedule is no, it's nothing to laugh at. It's nothing to, to just look over. But, again, this is a Minnesota Vikings team that was among one of the best offenses in the NFL last season. And, again, I know their, their defense hasn't looked terribly, terribly good through the first two games of a season, albeit in a five-day stretch. But it is a new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, and we know his history, certainly dating back to his days as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Whenever he takes over a defensive operation, he gets it finished. He gets it, he gets it in order pretty quick. So I expect Minnesota, they got time off to rest. They got a huge game against the Chargers coming up next weekend. Justin Herbert and those guys, Brian Flores will have a defensive game plan, a defensive scheme dialed up, uh, you know, by the time that game kicks off in in Minneapolis. So, and and again, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of uh I, I saw someone say today that oh, it's time to move off from Kirk Cousins. Well, maybe. At, at least if you have a backup plan in order, which as currently, as, as we say here today, it does not look like the Vikings do. It's last year's contract. You probably let it run, expire, run out. Let somebody else, uh, you know, a, a, mid, a mid-tier team, maybe like an Atlanta or somebody, bid on Kirk Cousins' services, and Minnesota goes and drafts a quarterback. Again, how is that going to make Justin Jefferson and some of the young playmakers feel? That's a different question. Maybe they trade for a quarterback. Who knows? Um, that that's Again, that, that's a question for this offseason. I don't think last night's game, my last takeaway was, yeah, Vikings need to trade Kirk Cousins. No, it was that they got beat by a more physical and, frankly, a better and, frankly, more healthy Philadelphia team. I mean, poor Minnesota had multiple tackles go, go down that game. The the uh, What's his name? If I can pull up the the, the, the news update, you had uh, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, announced that uh, U, uh, U, Udo, I think is how you say his last name, suffered a season-ending quad injury. 
So now they're thin at offensive line. They've already struggled in that department. So that's going to be a question for an immobile quarterback in Kirk Cousins moving forward. That'd be my biggest area of concern for, for Minnesota. But I don't think, I, I didn't watch last night like, oh, they're done. I think we all kind of expected them to lose to Philly last night. Now, had they got embarrassed, had they gotten beat by 25 to 30 points, maybe it's a different conversation. Like, okay, they're, they're probably not ready. And I know a lot of folks are going to bring up the Kirk Cousins in primetime game. Well, the knock against Kirk Cousins in primetime is not just his record. He's won some games in primetime, but not played terribly well. So that's, it's not just, oh, he, he doesn't always win. I think he's, he was he actually 500 on Thursday night football coming into last night's game. So he's won games, but has always necessarily play, always played well. Check the stats. Heck, check the tape. Looked pretty good. Made some tough throws. To, to Justin Jefferson and some of his targets, so uh, that's that, that. I think that's uh, that's something you gotta gotta take into consideration as well. But I don't think there's some teams. I think if they go zero and two, like if Denver loses to Washington, they're done. They they are done. They're trying to establish a culture. You cannot lose your first two home games of the season to Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Howell. You cannot lose those two games, or you are not making the playoffs. Uh, beat up roster as is, by the way. So like certain zero and one teams, if they lose, they are screwed. That's why I think the Jets winning last week against Buffalo, especially given the the next five games after this, massive. Because uh, looking at the line today. It looks like the line has gone down eight and a half. So some people, I guess, are taking the Jets and the points uh, against the Cowboys. But that's the, the the talent gap isn't crazy. But where the Cowboys are great, the Jets are terrible. So that's that's an area of concern for New York. Uh, but, but but yeah, I think that's there's certain zero and one teams that are they need to win this weekend. I think Denver needs a win. Buffalo needs a win desperately. Uh, like if Kansas City loses the Jaguars, we're all gonna all of a sudden gonna come in on Monday. Yeah, Kansas City's done. Yeah, they they lost to a, a a title contender in the NFC on opening night without their two of their three best players, and then they lose ten days later to the third best quarterback on planet Earth. Yeah, it's, the Kansas City's done. Some own one teams though. That's not the case. Like I think Seattle could really use a win against Detroit. Like that that was a bad loss on the road against. I'm sorry, at home against the Los Angeles Rams. So they have to bounce back for sure. Like I said, I uh, hope to in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, Going to have Darian Hopkins on pretty soon. By the way, I'm looking at this Instagram post of uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, who obviously coached together in Washington. H- how amazing is that, though? That the Washington Commanders had Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay on their coaching staff at one point at the exact same time, and neither became the head coach. Just... That's Dan Snyder for you. So my, my buddy Parnell, Commander's Demand host, just did a show, I think this morning. Uh, did a great job, by the way. I think he's either did Commander's, I think, yeah, Commander's Demand this morning. Uh, did a great job uh, here on the Grid Network, so please check his stuff out on social media and here on the Grid's uh, YouTube channel and anywhere else you get your podcast. As well as other Commander's fans, hey, just continue the, the rejoice. And and I'm not, I don't think you guys are going to make the playoffs this year or anything, but the, 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 the the rule of uh, Dan Snyder is has come to an end. So you can you can I don't know how good the new guy is going to be, but at least that aspect of of your misery is has concluded. The bad news is you're in a you're in a brutal division with two title contenders with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. So in the short term, it's not great, but they'll be fine in the long term. Okay, so to Aaron Rodgers now. So Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat, was on the Pat McAfee show uh, today, just a few a few hours ago. Uh, Pat McAfee now on ESPN, obviously. By the way, did you see McAfee's guest list today? I, I I watched about half the show. He had Stephen A. Smith, 
Deion Sanders, because they're in Boulder, Colorado. Pat McAfee's there for college game day tomorrow. Obviously, game day's in Boulder. He had, he had Stephen A., Deion Sanders, The Rock, and then cap it off. Oh, yeah, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, first interview since since the Achilles injury on Monday night, he stops by. So he stopped by the McAfee show for about a half hour. It was a really good interview. Uh, Aaron seemed to be in good spirits, which is obviously great to see. Uh, but he was asked by Pat McAfee about the rehab and about is it worth continuing to play at this stage? You're 39 going on 40 this December. Like, is, is this it or are you going to try and make another run at it? And Aaron Rodgers said, quote, Give me all the doubts. Give me the timetables. Give me all the things you think I can, should, or would happen because all I need uh, – I'm sorry. Give me all the things you think can, should, or would happen because all I need is that one extra little percent of inspiration. That's all I need. Give me your doubts. Give me your prognostications, and then watch what I do. And by the way, well, let me react to that as, that that statement first. So that sort of I, I, I sort of talked about. So Aaron posted on Instagram about a half hour, maybe less, before Wednesday's episode of Carving Up Live started. He posts on Instagram, and w- w- what do he say? Uh, let me pull up the Instagram. Was it the, the night has fallen? Or the the dawn the, something about the dawn or the night I forgot what it was. Aaron is a master of words. Oh yeah, he said the night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. That was his Instagram post from the other day. So that told me okay, he's he's coming back. That that's not to say, okay, I'm gonna retire and I'm gonna come back and be a killer Jeopardy host. I know Ken Jen- Jennings is in that role, but remember Aaron guest hosted for a short time following the retirement of the, I'm sorry, following the passing of the late great Alex Trebek, God rest his soul. But Aaron Rodgers obviously hosted that show for a brief time a couple years back. And so I don't think that that, that told me Aaron's a master of words. He's kind of been a little bit of a, a, mani- a manipulator of the media at times. We all remember the whole vaccine controversy two years ago, but that tells me again, we've seen a new Aaron this year in, in New York. I think, I didn't think that was a way to just mislead the media or mislead the public in any way, shape, or form. P- people are going to read into that and assume, okay, he's coming back. I don't think Aaron would just dupe the Jets, who he has nothing but praise for. He's had a blast in the organization. I don't think he's going to be like, yeah, Jets, the, the, the night is darkest before dawn and I shall rise again. Bye. I, I don't think that was, I don't think that was something Aaron was just going to do to that, to that organization that gave up a lot for him. But Aaron went on to say, so that didn't shock me. So Aaron's saying, you know, give me all the motivation I need. I'm going to get through this rehab. He's he's coming back. But he also said, and this is interesting. So um, Aaron was sort of alluding to, again, he's he's good at dancing around something, not necessarily addressing it head on. It's something I have criticized in the past. Now I almost find it, a, you know, kind of enjoyable and amusing with Jess because it's kind of a happier Aaron. But... Aaron was sort of dropping some some little hints here and there, saying like, you know, we'll just got to see what happens this season, this season. That it's like, what's he saying? So AJ Hawk, who's Pat McAfee's co- one of Pat McAfee's co-hosts, AJ Hawk played for the Packers with Rodgers for a long time. Was a great linebacker there, and AJ Hawk straight up asked him, like, "Are you coming back this year? Because you seem to kind of be alluding to it." And Aaron Rodgers uh, said, "Quote as Kevin Garnett said, anything's possible." End quote. Obviously, Kevin Garnett said it a lot more enthusiastically than that when the Celtics won in 08, but you get the idea. Look, as crazy as that sounds, and it does sound pretty crazy, remember Cam Akers, albeit younger player, but playing a more physical position. Remember Cam Akers got injured in, gosh, it had to be late July, early August with the Los Angeles Rams in 2021 ended up coming back right before the playoffs started 
and in his own you know in his own way contributed to them winning the Super Bowl that year. So Cam Akers, who I remember talking about in this show, he, he the surgery that they 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 the operation they did on him was like a, this new sort of technology, this new sort of procedure that had had just kind of been introduced. And was able to to help the Achilles heal quicker. Um, I don't know what they did. Again, I'm no surgeon. I'm not going to play one here on this podcast. But it helped Cam Akers come back much sooner than because we think Achilles was like okay, automatically eight to twelve months. Like he's probably done a year, and that's at least what I and basically everybody assumed about Aaron Rodgers. But listen, Aaron is not as mobile as he used to be. Doesn't really have to be at this stage of his career. At age 39, still got a good arm. Still's accurate. And what'd you take? I don't know. Let's say he comes back and he's 60 to 75% of himself. Is 60-75% of Aaron Rodgers, even at age 39-40, is that better than Zach Wilson? Given Zach Wilson's track record? Probably. Now, is it better than Gardner Minshew? 60 to 70%, 75% of 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, is that better than Gardner Minshew? If say say if the Jets were to, to go after him from the Indianapolis Colts, probably. But it's 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 kind of more discussion. But uh, I remember having conversations on the show last year, even with Jets fans. I remember Alfred uh, Parsar Jr., who's a contributor here at the at the Grid, was on the show around December, around that time. I remember telling Alfred, Alfred, I'm not sure Zach Wilson's an NFL quarterback. Like I'm dead serious. Like forget backup. I'm not sure he, so sure the man belongs in the league. Like we were having those type of conversations in in 2022, and so has he improved? Sure, he didn't. Aside from the one pick, he didn't screw it up. I mean, his defense played out of their minds against Buffalo. His receivers got open, which is kind of their job to do. They're a good receiving core. He just didn't mess it up. Got a good running game. Defense was awesome. But if you ask Zach Wilson to win the game, that's where that's where it starts to become a little bit of a little bit of a problem. This is why I said on Wednesday's show, this, if you're the New York Jets, you have got to pursue a quarterback, be it through a trade, be it through free agency, because almost any option is better than what you have right now in Zach Wilson. And you cannot, for the second straight year, have this great of a defense. Again, you never want to overreact to week one, but what we saw in week one is exactly what we saw all of 2022 from the New York Jets. Great defense, fast, awesome pass rush, good linebacking core, Excellent secondary, excellent to elite secondary. Personally, I believe Sauce Gardner is the best corner in football. Got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he'll bounce back. He'll be fine when it's all said and done. He's a great player. Great player. You can't waste that in, in, for a second straight year. You can't. By the way, Robert Sala, thing is, has proven himself to be a very good coach in the NFL. Also, too, speaking of Sala, he, along with Joe Douglas, the GM, Probably not now that with the, the injury to Rodgers. Probably not. But we know the NFL is a harsh business. The Jets are not historically well run. Could they be coaching for and GMing their way for their jobs this year? Probably. Again, it's, they probably shouldn't be. It's not fair because they're the best player, the face of the franchise, went down four snaps of a season. But that's not off the table. If the Jets go 6-11, and 11, it's not off the table. If the Jets decide there might be a better option. When it's all said and done. So, listen, if, if I'm New York, I'm not letting this defense... And by the way, I'm not letting these offensive skill position players who are better than they were a year ago, adding Dalvin Cook, adding guys like Alan Lazard, adding, uh, of course, Uzama was there last year as a tight end, but you got a good running game. You can't just waste this. I get the AFC's loaded. I do. But in that seven spot, because they're not going to beat Miami for the division now with, with Roger down. They're not. 
But with 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 all the chaos around that six seven spot in the AFC, give them competent quarter play and your quarterback play, and you're telling me the Jets can't make it, folks. Folks, the, the Jets, outside of a few games here there from Mike White and that one game against Cleveland by Joe Flacco, in which the Jets miraculously won that game. Jets didn't have a competent quarterback play all season long. And the second to last week of the season, they were in the playoff hunt. There was a point in time when they were 7-4, and 7-5. and five. Like, they were literally in the playoffs, and then they collapsed at the end because their quarterback play was atrocious. So give them an Andy Dalton. Give them a Gardner Minshew. Give them if, by some crazy chance, that that bad man, as Stephen A. Smith would say, he extends the, the the bad part. You get what I'm saying? If the rehab goes well, I mean, look, Aaron's a cryptic guy, but he kind of said, you know, anything's possible. You never know. Maybe this new Achilles technology, these Achilles surgery technology that they used on Cam Akers, who plays a much more physical uh, and a more physically taxing position at running back, probably the most physically taxing position in football. And he was back in basically five months. Who's to say that maybe, just maybe, it's not, again, it's not off the off the table. Maybe the Jets are in the hunt. They're like, I don't know, I don't want to say 7-7 because that's, that's three months from now. That's a quick quick turnaround from Achilles. Say it's a, say they're 8-8. Eight eight. Say they're going to that last week of the season. They're just treading water. The defense is playing amazing. They're still playing amazing in the running game. And just, uh, Zach Wilson's just not the guy. Whoever we've got at that point, just not the guy. And Aaron goes to the front office and says, hey, hey guys, I, I can play. And now he's obviously going to have to be cleared by doctors, of course. But you're telling me the Jets will say, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the guy who's really struggling and really is the only reason we're not in the playoffs right now, be it Zach Wilson or anybody else, Tim Boyle or anybody they could sign or sign or, or trade for. And Aaron Rodgers comes back to the organization and says, hey, I'm ready to go. We got one game to get in the playoffs. Let's do this thing. Jets are typically or historically a, a a desperate franchise to a certain extent. You're telling me they're not. They wouldn't at least consider it. Should he be cleared by the doctors? Let me use this phrase again. It is not off the table. It's not. You can't discount it. Very interesting story, but but no, it, it really was though great to see Aaron uh, on the on on McAfee show. See him again. He, he seemed to be in good spirit. Uh, good spirits. Um, so you know, he's talk, He talked about uh, he's he's gotten, and he he mentioned this in his Instagram post. He's gotten so much love and and support from from so many people that he used to play with and play for. Whether it be, I'm sure a lot of Packers for, former teammates and coaches with the Packers and and other players and and otherwise, you know, reached out to him and he said that really meant a lot. So it's great. Of course, so, you know, whether he comes back this season, it, it's gonna be a long shot. That's that's. It's intellectually dishonest to say otherwise, but it's a long shot to come back this season. But regardless if he does, you know, come back in 2023 or not, or if the next time we see him on 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 an NFL field, it'll September of 2024. We're obviously praying for him. We're hoping the best for him. It's going to be a tough rehab, and Achilles Achilles tends to do that. But obviously, wishing the best for Aaron Rodgers, and hopefully he can uh, he can get back on the field as soon as possible, looking as much like the the old Aaron Rodgers or the, the the previous Aaron Rodgers as we're as we've grown accustomed to because he's he's a truly spectacular player historically. I've always been more of a Brady guy, but I've never ever even when I've criticized Rodgers, I've never ever denied the talent. 
He's I I think he's the second most talented quarterback ever, just a spot above Marino and a spot below Mahomes. He's he's spectacular. So yeah, still still waiting, uh, hoping to get uh, hoping to get our next guest um, Darian on the show uh, pretty soon. Apparently, he's dealing with some technical difficulties, so obviously we'll give him time to to sort that out. So when he when he does hop on though, we'll do the vol view. So looking forward to that, of course. By the way, it, it, this does give me an opportunity to to say this. So <laughs> it's 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 funny how how some things just kind of turn around there. I was all right. I wasn't even looking at Twitter. I got an alert on Twitter from it was either Woj or Shams or both, two best NBA insiders, saying that my Golden State Warriors were going to meet with Dwight Howard and not just necessarily the Warriors, but the GM Mike Dunleavy Jr. and the head coach Steve Kerr were going to meet with Dwight Howard. It's like, oh, of course. Because first of all, I'm like, okay, I'm down. Now, he is in year 20. He's going to be in a, in a reduced role. That goes without saying. But hasn't the criticism of the Warriors been like, man, God, they're really small. They they could really use some size. Like, Looney's kind of their only big. Saric is their, Dar- Dario Sarge is the tallest player in the Warriors, but he's a wing. He's a four. He's a, he's a stretch four guy. Like, he's not going to be, he's not going to be your big in all likelihood. Dwight Howard gives you that size. And it's funny, I've been criticizing Dwight Howard like crazy, you know, over the past, I don't know, few years talking about, I think he's had an overrated career. Uh, now, th- his time in Orlando was unbelievable. He was dominant in Orlando. LA, ugh, not great. Houston, ugh. Atlanta, Charlotte. It wasn't until he became a role player with the Lakers that it's like, oh, he's good as a role player. My criticism of Dwight has overwhelmingly been that once the NBA transitioned to a more perimeter-oriented league, he didn't adjust. Like the two best bigs in the in the NBA. Uh, sorry, two best centers in the NBA. Because Giannis is technically a big, but we don't count him as a center. So the two best centers in the NBA. Embiid, Jokic, both can shoot. Like you've you got, unless, like as I say, unless you are Giannis, and even it's hurt Giannis as we saw in the playoffs, certainly in this, this past postseason against Miami, if you can't shoot the basketball, unless you are as dominant as Giannis is, and in the interior, probably the most dominant player within five feet of the basket since Shaq himself, you cannot be a superstar in the NBA. And that's really the day that the NBA transitioned that era was the day Dwight Howard forgets superstar. He really wasn't even a star at that point. He was just kind of good starting center. Double-double guy. Andre Drummond, if you will. And that may sound crazy. Oh, yeah. you know. Andre Drummond and Dwight Howard. Ah, oh, that's crazy. Numbers aren't aren't terribly off, but you know that's don't 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 kill the messenger, okay? Uh, apparently, let's see. So again, we're having some some technical issues with 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 Darian Hopkins. Uh, let's see. Hang on, let me hit him up real quick. Let's see if we can get him on a little later in the show. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. I, I, here, here, here's my thing. Uh, hold on. So I don't know how these insiders, like a Schefter or a Woj, when they're on television, because you know those guys, their their job is hard enough. They're they're constantly just texting guys, and like just right there, like I, like I'm you know communicating with Darian, you know trying to hopefully get his, his technical issues uh, sorted out. How guys like Woj and uh, and, and well, yeah, Shams too, but and Schefter and Ian Rappaport, they're doing television constantly, and they're still having to like communicate with people, text them. That's I, I admire the heck out of that. That's that's incredible. So 
while we wait on Darian uh, to to hopefully get everything resolved, hope to have him on the show, uh, you know, as, as soon as possible. I'll go ahead and transition to what we were going to do uh, after the Vol View because I do think it's one that's uh, of note. Uh, that's putting it mildly. So, Colorado Buffaloes have been the talk of college football. Deion Sanders has been the talk of college football, as is his son Shador, who's in the Heisman race, and Travis Hunter, also in the Heisman race. They're off to a 2-0 start. They're ranked within the top 20 in America. In a loaded Pac-12, they're right in the thick of it. And Deion has, has turned the, the culture of this program completely upside down in a great way. And he's taken a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, and he's he's backed it up with 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 results. He's done it his way, and his way has worked pretty darn well. Uh, I think it's fair to say that. Colorado plays Colorado State this weekend. So, it's so big of a game that College Game Day's there. ESPN First Take was there. Pat McAfee's show was there, and a lot of media attention and press. And just begin, it just continues to grow and grow and grow for Colorado. They play Colorado State. Again, I, let me check the line because I think it was darn near 30, if I'm not mistaken. They're pretty big favorites over Colorado State, uh, who's, by the way, 3-10 and 10 in their last uh, 13 contest. The Colorado Buffaloes are 23.5-point favorites. Needless to say, Vegas likes them to win comfortably. And the head coach of the Colorado State Rams, Jay Norvell, was on his weekly coach interview show. Here's what he had to say about about Coach Prime and about Colorado. Take a listen. I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother talked. <laughs> That's a dang shame. You know what I'm saying? It's a shame. Because the fact of the matter is, when you have a, a Jane Norvell, by the way, for the podcast audience, those watching and listening, I'm wearing a hat and sunglasses uh, right now. The fact of the matter is, when you have a Jay Norvell who is, again, 3-10 and 10 as Colorado State's head coach, just a week ago against Washington State, another Pac-12 opponent, all that happens, they got beat 50-24 to 24 on their home field. Seems like a story to a certain extent, does it not? This, to me, and, and I, I, I gotta say, not to go too far in this, in this, you know, in this direction, but it reminds me to a certain extent of uh, someone who used to, I don't know, used to occupy the White House. And anytime something bad would happen and he'd, he'd deflect and he'd mention something that had absolutely nothing to do with the current situation at hand as a way to deflect. No, it's a sleight of hand. Look over here. Kind of gives me those vibes from Jay Norville. I'll let you piece that together, you know, however you, however you so choose. Point is, uh, Jay Norville is not in a great position as the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. And um, why would he do this? What did he hope to accomplish through this? Because it would appear that the old guard, so to speak, of college football is not exactly thrilled with Deion Sanders' success. Uh, it would certainly appear that, you know, that there's a certain way. It gives me you know baseball vibes about how you got to do it a certain way. You got to win and lose with class, blah, blah, blah. Okay, who cares about that nonsense? You've got a Deion Sanders who walks his walk and talks his talk and sure is a bit braggadocious as he's been throughout his NFL career. Why is that a problem? No, seriously, why why is it a problem? If he's successful, if the results, if he backs him up, why is that a bad thing? 
I mean, it's a fair conversation to have. So, Jay Norvell, um, Barry Grant Jr., the co-founder of the Grid Network, has a segment on this show every week. It's called The Dummy of the Week, and I think you've got a solid opportunity, a solid chance, my friend, to to land on that list if you're not a candidate, at the very least. So, here's what I do know is going to happen, because you had Deion Sanders after practice. I saw this soundbite yesterday. He said, okay, they made it personal. Let's go make it personal. And he was doing interviews, and he was like, hey, listen, he's just kind of downplaying a little bit. Colorado's a 23.5-point favorite. What do you say they win by? Because this isn't going to be the typical situation where a ranked team plays a bad, unranked team. They go nuts in the first half to start the third quarter, and then they call the dogs off. They put the backups in, just finish the game, don't want to don't necessarily run up the score. I think it's perfectly within, well, it's well within the realm of possibility that that's exactly what primetime was going to do. And now all of a sudden... Colorado's going to score 60 against Colorado State. You heard it here first. The Colorado Buffaloes are going to drop a 60-burger on the Colorado State Rams after Jay Norvell's recent comments. As Prime said, if they want to make it personal, then let's, let's make it personal. You even saw Dion saw the video today, was meeting with his team, and he gave him all shades, gave him all the sunglasses. Again, for Jay Norvell, he has every right to say whatever he wants about, uh, he has every right to say whatever he wants about, uh, you know, how his mother raised him. Okay, that's how your mother raised you. By the way, are you taking a shot at how Dion's mother raised him? Are we going to those type of personal attacks? For the record, my, my mom allowed me to wear a hat and sunglasses and do carving up live. She has multiple signs of the past, so shout out to you, mom. You're the best. That's how your mom raised you. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. If that's if that's if that's your belief system. That's your belief system. Okay. Why you got imposed on Dion? And why is it Dion in particular who you are referencing? Because I've seen plenty of coaches in the past who've done the halftime or post game interview. They still got their hat on. They've still got their sunglasses on. I've even seen some that still have the headset on from time to time. Very interesting, I must say. Barry Grant Jr. himself, the host of. They're having podcast with the Dummy of the Week segment. He just comments two digits. 8-1. He thinks they're going to drop 81 in Colorado. Wow. I thought I was going all in with 60. He thinks 81. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put it past him. <laughs> the way Shador, Shador in that office go up and down the field. Now, the risk you run with that, obviously, is, God forbid, getting somebody hurt. I'm talking more from a play-calling standpoint. They're going to be aggressive. It's not going to be fourth quarter or they're up 30. They're just going to run the ball, kind of bleed the clock, get the game over with, move on to next week, just try and keep everybody healthy. No, 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 no. They did make it personal. It's it's, it's just it's, it's I love the fact I really do how threatened the college football world appears to be uh, by Dion and by this uh, this 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 new attitude he brings to not he, Dion brings Dion's always been this way but this new vibe he brings to college football and how it's really threatening to a lot of folks out there. I don't know. I just yes you, you, you sometimes you ask certain questions like what why why is this why is this so bad I don't know. It's it's a it's 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 a it's a valid question. That's all I'll say. Okay, sunglasses off. Ha- Actually, I'll keep the hat on. What am I? What am, who am I kidding? I'm a Steelers fan. Keep the Steelers hat on. I'll keep the hat on. I apologize. Not really, but to Coach Norvell. There you go. So again, I I, I think Darian might still be dealing um with some with some technical issues. So we'll uh, 
we'll wait for him for for another few minutes, and if he's not able to stop by, if the technical issues aren't able to be resolved, hopefully we can get him on next week or sometime in the future with the Volview, but hopefully we can get on. So, anything else? Okay, uh, real quick, I, I, I didn't think I was going to have a chance to talk about this, but... Uh, since we have a little bit of time in our hands, let's 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 go and get into it briefly. So the NBA. Let's see. Do we have a comment here? We got a comment here. Uh, okay. So uh, uh, Barry said Darian should be ready to go. So that's that's great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, I can't wait to get him on for the for the ball view because Darian's a Tennessee fan, uh, big Tennessee fan. He's he's done a great job at the network. He's since he joined, he's been doing live streams uh, on on the grid. Run the Army's race in person at the Pentagon. Army 10-Miler general registration is now open. Go to Army10Miler.com to register today. General registration presented by General Dynamics. Register today at Army10Miler.com. Of like big night games, so he did opening night Lions and Chiefs. Sat this past Saturday, he did Texas Alabama live stream that game, reacted to it, and then did the same thing on Sunday Night Football with Cowboys and Giants. I I think that game I may have to check YouTube was the highest rated live on the Grid Network that we've we've ever had in in the uh, almost year history of of the Grid. So congratulations, to Derek. By the way, I should see I should have known this. I should have known this as one of the um as one of the the, the founding members of of the Grid. Um. We should be coming up on our one-year anniversary pretty soon if we haven't hit it already. Because, listen, the grid, for those of you who don't know, was an idea years ago. But we didn't officially launch it until last September. Because, see, I remember announcing I was a part of the grid after week two. I'm going to have to go back and look at that because we may need to do something, something special now to think about it. I know, Barry, you're watching and anybody else from the grid network or any anyone else who watches the grid network and consumes our content, I, I think... We have to do something special for a one-year anniversary. Something. Because we've seen a lot of growth. We've added new faces, new people, like uh, Parnell and, and Devin. Uh, Dalton's uh, you know, been added to the grid, and obviously Darian now. So, uh, by the way, the outside the cage guys have done a spectacular job. Added those guys. So, I don't know. I'm just I'm brainstorming right now. What could we do for the grid one year anniversary? Could we do like a I don't know maybe do, do something with Darian, do like a an, an NFL uh, you know live stream show something like that. I don't know, but it uh, it looks like Darian's ready to go. So uh, without further ado, the next uh, guest for carving up live and for the Vol View before actually before we get to Darian, sit tight, Darian. Let's get into it. Uh, oh, we just lost Darian. Oh. Dang, I, I don't know what happened there. We just we just lost Darian off the stream uh, briefly. Hopefully we can we can get back on. Um, let's see. Well, I was talking about the grid. Yeah, we we may need to do like a live stream reaction type show with um with Darian. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, John John says uh pie uh pie ears. You mean pie eating contest, John John? A pie eating that'd be interesting. That that would be a a pie eating contest. What does the winner get, though, John? John, that's my question. Because because if we're gonna do something like that, is as, as as messy as that can be, what what's what, what what's the end goal? Is it bragging rights? Because bragging rights is fine, but see see me when I do bets with people, I don't bet money. That's why the segment of my show is literally called "If I Were a Betting Man" in regards to you know money. But in terms of pride, in terms of whether it be a jersey, because I I've made bets in the past where. Certain individuals have had to do Southern accents because I'm obviously from Tennessee, and I've had to do New York accents. Or some people have had to wear jersey. I had to wear a, a freaking Lakers jersey after the Lakers beat my Warriors. That was a very painful day. It was not a fun show that day. A few months back, it was not it was not good. Not good at all. Did not. Did, I did not enjoy that in the slightest. So, you know, 
Uh, again, while we wait for, for Darian to hop on, uh, also a great opportunity to remind everybody. So, as I announced last week, so we surpassed, we surpassed 200 subscribers within the last couple weeks on Carving Up Live. So, thank you to everybody who has taken two seconds out of their day and hit that big red subscribe button. Um, we have a goal on Carving Up Live to get to 1,000. You are that right. 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58 on February the 11th from Las Vegas. And, uh, if you have not subscribed to, to Car Me Up Live, please do so. If you, uh, if you have, we appreciate that. Please hit somebody up. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member to tell a friend to subscribe uh, to the show. Uh, helps the channel grow exponentially. Okay, it looks like we got Darian back on, so sit tight real quick, Darian, uh, just for a moment. So uh, a, a, a little later than usual, but nevertheless, it's the weekly segment on Carving Up Live, The Vol View. Here we go. And here we go. I've got Darian Hopkins, the newest member of the Grid Network, joining Carving Up Live. Uh, also a fellow Tennessee fan for the Vol View. Darian, my man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, sorry for if the audio sounds crazy. Um, sounds great. I'm trying to. I, I just got the new uh, Rode uh, X, the Streamer X thing. So yeah. I just invested in that, so hopefully it it, it sounds pretty good so far. <laughs> sounds perfect. No, it sounds sounds great, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, obviously, uh, for the Vol View. It's our first guest ever on this segment, so you have this, this distinguished honor. I love your background there, by the way, of Neyland State. That's it's very fitting. Um, uh, of course, I was trying to like I didn't want to run and go get my hat and my gear real quick, so I just threw on something just to make sure you know we could get this thing rocking and rolling. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, first of all, before we get into Tennessee and their big game this weekend against Florida, obviously very hated rival. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about sort of uh, how you. I always ask new guests this: how you got into sort of the podcasting and content creating space. Um, and, and obviously, you're, I know you're a Raiders fan, you're a Tennessee fan. Like, just kind of how you got into this this sort of space. Um, I got kind of into this sort of space when it came to. Um you know, just debating with my family, you know, uh, sports debates with my family. And somebody stated like, oh, you should do a podcast, you know, talk about how you, you know, feel about, you know, certain players or certain teams and stuff like that. And that, I just decided to do it. You know, I, I decided to do it. Uh, I started back in 2016. Um, wow. Yeah, 2016. I, I, I've been around for a bit now, so. Uh, been a lot of rebranding, a lot of things just been going on, but you know, I have a separate channel for nothing but Raiders podcast, and um, I just have one just for all sports, which is the Darian Hopkins Sports Show. We're supposed to do one today, but unfortunately, work, everything else, and I know we had this today, so I just canceled it. But um, yeah, it's just it's been a long road doing live play by play commentary, um, you know, the live play by play and reaction stuff, so. It's just been a lot of work, basically. A lot of work to 
to get where I'm at, but hey, I still need to grow. I still need to go. And I'm happy to be a part of the grid network. So that's that's definitely awesome, you know, for me to be a part of this group, man. And and finally got some Tennessee Vol fans around. Man. Yes, sir. Oh my God. Like I, I see all basketball vol fans, but football vol fans, I can't find. So when you know, Barry told me that you was a Vols fan. I was like, oh, thank you, God. There are some <laughs> out there that I can actually talk Vols football with. For sure. For, no, listen, when when Barry hit me up and was like, hey, man, go check this guy's content out on, like, Instagram and stuff. And he was telling me, like, hey, you know, uh, he's, he's a Vols fan. I'm like, okay, I don't need to see this. Just, I'm sold, okay? I, I didn't have to see your content after that. Like, I'm, I'm sold. You do a great job, man. And it's it's obviously very exciting to to have you here on the network. Um so, oh, by the way, it looks like we got a comment from the Grid Network here real quick before we get into the Vol View. Um, Monday, September 18th starts Grid Appreciation Week. Please join us all weekend with our great content creators as we celebrate one year of the Grid Network on the 18th. Very exciting. So, uh, like I said, you're one of the many uh, new people that we've added uh, since we started this network a year ago. Very excited to have you. So, uh, without further ado, this is the Vol View. So, we're talking all things Tennessee football. So, they're coming off of a 30-13 to win over Austin P last week. Obviously, a game in which I think Tennessee was favored. I think it was by 40 eight or something crazy. Obviously a rough offensive performance, particularly in the first half. Joe Milton receivers just didn't seem to be on the same page. It was a little bit, it was a rain delay or a, a, a lightning storm uh, delayed game uh, there in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium for the home opener and just didn't look particularly great on offense. On the bright side, however, defensively, front four, front seven as a whole looks great through the first couple games, albeit against lesser offensive lines. Now you go on the road to Florida, a team that's lost to Utah, took care of their second game of the season at home in Gainesville, and in a spot where Tennessee has not won since I was literally an infant in 2003 uh, in, in Gainesville at the Swamp against uh, against the Florida Gators. So, overall, uh, Darian, your, your outlook on this game, what, what's sort of the keys in your mind to Tennessee getting a victory and moving to 3-0? Oh, you, you, I don't hear you right now. Where you, your, your audio's out. Let's see. Maybe to have an unmute button, potentially? Let's see. Because you're 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 unmuted here on on, on this uh, uh, streaming app, so uh, is is it out? Is is it not? Is it not working? Okay, so I'll I'll, I'll take you off. I'll, I'll bring you right back on as soon as you as you as soon as you get that you know s- sort of resolved there. Uh, Darian Hopkins hopefully will be able to get that you know fixed. But you know he, he, his mic sounded great. I don't know what's 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 going on there, but. Listen, before we can hopefully get him back on as soon as possible, and whenever, by the way, Darren, whenever you're you're ready to go, just give me a, a thumbs up, uh, and I'll, I'll obviously bring you back on. But uh, no, listen. For me, the keys to this game for uh, for Tennessee is listen. You're obviously playing a Florida team that's unranked. Uh, Billy Napier hasn't exactly had the most successful of ten years thus far as the Florida Gators head coach. Um, so this is going to be something that, that they've got this kid Graham Mertz, who's their quarterback. Didn't look all that great against Utah. You know, had his moments from time to time last week uh, in Florida's win. Who did they play? They played uh, McNeese again, one forty forty nine to seven. So uh, it just it, it just it did. Of course, they're supposed to be McNeese. Um, Florida sitting here as as one on one. Obviously, again, they they tend to. I've talked to a lot of Vols fans this week. Uh, they tend to be the. Uh, they tend to play their best football against Tennessee. So that's always been something that's uh, they they've been you know uh, great at. So. You know, that's kind of the game you, you, you sort of wake up for uh, if you're the Florida Gators. So for Tennessee, look, my my thing for, for Tennessee's offense is the fact that you've got Joe Milton. You've got this this receiving core that's really good. you got Ramel Keaton. you got Brew McCoy. you got Squirrel White. you got uh, Thornton. Uh, and you've got an excellent running game, something that I think we don't give enough love and enough credit to for Tennessee is the fact that in terms of their running game with guys like Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson, uh, Jalen Wright, uh, the, the, these are guys who can get to the second level of defense. This is an offensive line that's been one of the better uh 
run-blocking offensive lines in the SEC for the last, uh, you know, obviously going back to last season and going into this season now. So something to sort of take the pressure, take the the load off of Joe Milton's shoulders. Again, this is Tennessee's first true road game uh, coming into this new NFL, I'm sorry, this new college football season. They played a, 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 a what's well, say a neutral site game against Virginia in week one. That game is played in Nashville. It's the mu- Music City. I love Nashville, by the way. That was a Tennessee Vols home game. You could see it by the crowd. It was just coated in orange and white. So that was a Tennessee Vols home game. And then obviously a home game last week against Austin P. This is a situation where, listen, uh, and I think I, I echo Tennessee and Florida fans for that matter when I say there are teams in sports, particularly in, in college sports even in this instance, where you don't necessarily hate them, but you don't care too much for them. I mean, I don't, I don't like Missouri. I don't like South Carolina. I don't have a deep hatred for them. Like, oh, God, we got to beat them. I don't like them. But there's certain teams, and I'll extend it to my other, you know, I'm a Steelers, Warriors, Red Sox fan. Let me tell you something, folks. I hate the Cleveland Browns. As a former Cowboys fan, I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I despise, I, I have a deep hatred for the New York Yankees. And I hate the Florida Gators with a passion. Hate them. It broke my heart a lot. And finally now, because you know my rule that I've had for Carving Up Live for a while, that a rivalry is not a rivalry if it's one-sided. So Alabama, 15 straight years beating Tennessee. There was a stretch where Florida beat us 11 straight times, and then I think, what was it? 17, 18, 19, 20. So then five straight times after that. So Florida at one point won 16 out of 17 against us. We got them last year at Neyland. If we get them now in the swamp, it's now officially back to being a rivalry, Tennessee-Florida. It's a real thing now. And so this is a big opportunity for Tennessee to kind of stamp that stamp that moment. Again, Tennessee's 11th ranked in the country on the road against Florida. Uh, again, obviously, Tennessee was as high as 9th last week. The underwhelming performance against Austin P dropped him a couple spots, but if you go on the road, I know Florida's not the cream of the crop of the SEC in a, in a conference that we know is as low as it gets uh, when it comes to, to what they can bring and what they can offer. But at the end of the day, listen, this is a Tennessee Vols team. Uh, this is a Florida Gators team, rather, uh, that's got SEC talent. Uh, their front four is a little bit of an area of concern. Whether or not Cooper Mays, uh, really good interior lineman for Tennessee, whether or not he's back is going to be key uh, for the Vols. But this is a game that's going to be all about keeping the pocket clean for Joe Milton, giving him a solid running game. And whether or not, whether or not the timing is back between Milton and his weapons, whether it's does he overthrow a guy, does somebody run the wrong route, is he just miss a guy on a simple layup-type throw? That's going to be the question for Tennessee and you know, in terms of winning this football game. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And for a while now, I don't know if I probably did it on this show at one point or another. I certainly did it to those in my life, especially Vols fans. Like, ah, we got Florida. Tennessee by 20. I'll back off the Tennessee by 20. However, if we have the score right here, I'm going to go with the Vols to win this game outright. Give me Tennessee 34-20 to 20 over the Florida Gators uh, here in week three of this college football season. Tennessee will move to 3-0. Tennessee will get Florida again. Okay, two straight years. Listen, Tennessee hasn't gotten Florida in back-to-back years since I guess it was 03-04 was the last time they went back-to-back, uh, beating Florida two straight times. So uh, that's something I feel confident about. Uh, so for the Volvo, again, it doesn't. I'm not sure we'll be able to get uh, Darian back on the show, unfortunately, uh, which is obviously unfortunate. But hopefully, we can. Hopefully, we can get those audio issues uh, uh, taken care of. And we can get him back on the show sometime in the future. If he hops, if he ends up hopping by, we'll have him on. Uh, you obviously, want to want to treat our guests well here on Carving Up Live and as well as on the grid. Oh wait, there, Darian's back. Okay, Dar- Darian's back. So let's uh, hold on. Let's you know what we didn't give him a drum roll like we give most guests. So let's go and give Darian the drum roll here. 
Darian's back on. Darian, can you hear me and can I hear you? Is he um, I can't hear you now. So can you hear me though? I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, so so uh, 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 I got it. Yup. Oh, here we go. Okay, so let's see if you can maybe maybe read my lips a little bit here. If I could, like, uh, I don't know, put a banner up. Let's see. Can you hear me now? You got your headphones on? No, no, no. no I, I can hear you now. You can hear? Okay, okay, great, great, great. Awesome. So, uh, no, I was just asking you. So, what's sort of your keys to the game for Tennessee to beat Florida? I just put up my final score. Uh, if we could put it up right here. I had Tennessee 34-20 to 20 over Florida. I think if you give, keep the pocket clean for Joe Milton, if the timing's better for the receivers, the defense can kind of dominate this football game and the offense cash in when they get the opportunity. But what's kind of your keys for Tennessee to, to break a long streak and not beating Florida in, in 20 years in the swamp? Well, for me, I think we need to run the football effectively with Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. I think it really starts there first because if you look at our, you know, our first two games we, when we established the run, it's easier for Joe Milton to throw the football. So for me, I like Jabari Smith um, and Jalen. Jalen Wright is really the the probably the lead guy in my opinion. Even though Joe, I like Jabari Small a bit a, li- a bit better, but if you look at the last couple of weeks, you know Jalen Wright has been carrying the load majority of the time. But those two as a tandem, I like them um, defensively. We just gotta we just gotta play better defensively. It's just like one thing about our Vols defense, we just don't play well and it's always high scoring with our defense. If we could keep Florida under 20 points and run the football and have Joe Milton come off the play, not really a play action, but what the, the quick wide receiver screens get the ball out of his hands yep. very quickly and, I, and get these guys to get the yards after the catch. These guys will probably have more than 34 points. If we could go back to last year, if we look at all the games that we had, high scoring. But our defense on the other side gave up too many. So if we could give sure. up less than 20, if we could score 34, 37, almost 40 points, then I think we'll be good. But I do like your score 34, 20, just for realistic basis. Yeah, and listen, in Tennessee's defense, though, when you have Josh Heupel in this very, you know, uh, high, high-powered, you know, moving, you know, hurry-up offense that Tennessee tends to run with with guys like uh, – uh, with uh, Hinton Hooker, obviously last year. Now with Joe Milton, some of these fast wide receivers and offensive linemen running game. You know that that is something that's that you know, your defense can be on the field for uh, two thirds of the game. That's going to be something you know fatigue sets in, and that's going to be something that concerns me a little bit in terms of the pass rush because I think the secondary is definitely the weakness of that defense. So the best the, you know, sort of the best cure and the best remedy to that is a good pass rush. Is putting yourself in a position where the quarterback on the other side doesn't beat you with long throws down the field. And obviously, uh, as we remember from uh, I guess it was 2015, remember Antonio Callaway on fourth down. Making that play against Tennessee yeah. and taking that to the house, yeah. So yards after catch is obviously something that is that has haunted Tennessee in the past uh, in Gainesville. So as far as your overall outlook, so I like Joe Milton. I think his talent is off the charts. I think his ceiling is that of he, he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. So he's not quite as mobile as Josh Allen was at Wyoming, but massive arm. Accuracy is a little bit of a concern. Sometimes confidence can go back and forth. What sort of your, because college football is, just the Pac-12 is loaded with great quarterbacks. Where do you think Joe Milton kind of fits in with those guys and how your sort of outlook on him going forward the rest of the season? Um, I think you you gotta you gotta put him in situations where he gotta take, he gotta take what the defense gives him. Even yep. though his arm like you said, his you said his accuracy is not really there. So when you when a guy is, is still working on his accuracy, you gotta you gotta take you as a quarterback, you gotta take what the defense is giving you. So with you know, um with Joe Milton and his style of play, I mean you probably gotta get him in, in, in part of that running game as well. He's not as athletic as hitting hitting hooker was, but if you get him a part of that running game, it probably helps him out in the passing game. He could throw the deep ball, 
but his accuracy, he can be inaccurate on the deep ball. But on the wide receiver screens, those quick slants on third down situations, he could he could hit those. So you got to take what the defense is giving you, and Joe Milton can't force nothing down the field. We don't want to force uh, – yes, uh, we'll love the deep ball. That's one thing about us. We throw the deep ball very well in Tennessee. But it's a little bit different now because Joe Milton is – kind of inaccurate in certain spots of the deep ball, like on skinny posts or even on a nine route or something of that nature. But if you take what the deep is giving you in, a, in the short and in intermediate routes over the top would be better and you would be more comfortable throwing the ball that way. So with Joe Milton, I think he could be a Heisman, a Heisman, possibly a Heisman trophy winner or a Heisman candidate. But he has to he has to play better at the quarterback position and you got to get better every week, especially he could be one of the guys that beat. Florida in Gainesville, which we haven't done in a long time. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does on Saturday. I absolutely am as well. And that's sort of, you were talking about, you know, taking what the defense gives you and that'll open up for the long game. That plays into something you said as well earlier too about giving him a run game and that that's something we, we think about Tennessee all there, this quick offense, a lot of shots down the field. I mean, I guess the, the the lasting image that most of America has of Tennessee is Jalen Hyatt running wide open down the sidelines against Alabama last year. But we often forget, right. like you mentioned, how good the running game is to open up those deep passes down the field and whether or not, you know, Joe Milton overthrowing guys because of his insane arm has been a little bit of a concern. Eating, even dating back to you know two years ago when Hen Hooker actually replaced him when when Milton was the starter in 2021 that was something that that kind of right. plagued him so whether or not they can get that lined out is is going to be obviously something that's that's huge for Tennessee as far as so listen I I, I think I went on a on a pretty pretty good limb saying that I thought Tennessee would be the third ranked team in the country and make the college football playoff uh, may, maybe that's a little too too too, too much but listen I, th- I think the offense is good enough and the defense is, is improved uh, even as good as the SEC is I still think Georgia is the class of that of that uh, you know SEC East do you have do you have a similar opinion or do you think maybe Tennessee does win the East go to the SEC t- uh, title game which they haven't done since 07 what's sort of your outlook on Tennessee as it as it comes to the rest of the SEC well, it's really going to come to the test when we play Alabama, when we play Georgia. I think we got Georgia on our schedule, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, Georgia, second to last Did week we of the season in the Alabama. Yeah, so I think those two games will really put us to the test if we deserve to be in the playoff or not. That's just my that's just my personal opinion. I would love to see Tennessee in the playoff. I think we had that chance until Henry Hooker went down last year. But I do like I do like Tennessee. If they do, I like them as the number four in the college football playoff or a little bit outside of it. And I, I'm just being realistic with you. If we could, if we could knock off at least one of those teams of Alabama or Georgia, I, I mean, as the sky's the limit, I think that would really push us to get into the playoffs. I mean, in the college football playoff, if we knock one of those teams up, because if you look at the rest of our schedule, it's, it's, it's not too bad. I think they're accountable, like winnable games sure. outside of Alabama and in Georgia. So, I mean, if we could get the job done with one of those teams, I think we can make it to the playoff or at least be number five on the outside looking in and have a big bowl game. For sure, uh, you know. Listen, what would be better is if they they, they split the because I do I, I agree with you. I think they'll split those games. What would be better is actually if they lose to Alabama, beat Georgia because they beat Georgia. They're in the SEC title game, uh, you know, with an opportunity right. to to win in Atlanta and really bolster your case. Maybe you know you win the SEC, win the SEC title game. That would almost the worst case scenario put you as the number two in the country. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're just crazy Vols fans. Maybe we're getting a little bit too greedy. Uh, you know, given the no, the I success- agree with you there, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, given the successes of last season, um, around the rest of college football you know so obviously we had texas alabama which a very entertaining game texas went on the road to tuscaloosa and winning you actually live streamed that game here on the grid did a great job um you know in doing so 
sort of your outlook in college football. Do you have a final four teams in, in, in college football? Like, like you're looking at, hey, here, here's who can make the playoffs. Is there any shock to you thus far? I mean, Colorado has been the story of college football through the first yep. you know, couple weeks. Uh, you could talk about Colorado, obviously, but is there any any surprises to you, um, you know, throughout the first couple weeks of, of this new season? I'm going to be completely honest. Miami. Okay, I think Miami one. is back. I really think Miami is back, and, and they're slowly getting back to their form of football. If you look at the last couple of weeks, they have they have dominated their opponents. And um, another one, Florida State. I think Florida State, when I saw them against LSU, they looked pure dominance. It, uh, I think his, uh, what is his name for the quarterback? I just said it not too long ago. Um, Hold on. I'll help you out here. Let's see. Oh, my God. They just, you're right. They just beat Texas A&M, and they played actually last night and beat Bethune 48-7. to It was Jordan something. I know his first name is Jordan. You talking about Miami's quarterback? No, Florida State's. Uh, Jordan Travis. Jordan. Tra- I'm Jordan sorry. I thought Travis, you meant Miami's yes. quarterback. Yeah. Yes, Jordan Travis. I think he's going to be a great prospect going into the NFL. If he, I think he's a junior, if I'm not mistaken. But if he's not, I think he has another year under him. I think he's going to be good. Uh, Drake May at North Carolina. I think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be a a top four team, but I can see them being a little bit in that top ten and getting a bowl game against a very very good team that's in that top ten. But I do like North Carolina. Um, of course, you know, you Texas. Texas is going to be in the SEC yeah. next season. So as a Tennessee fan, I am looking forward to that because it's been times I said that I'm not a big fan of Texas because Texas was so, like, bad. But now they're they're playing to try to get into the playoff. But if I were to put four teams in the playoff right now, Georgia would be my number one, uh, of course, because they're the national champions. Uh, number two, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is a pretty weak conference as of right now, but it I is. have to put Michigan there, unfortunately. We so agree in top one, number one and two. We agree in number yep. one, two. One, one and two, three. Are people going a lot of people now? Like I just said their name. Florida State's going to be number three. If they keep okay. winning and they win the ACC, they will go to the playoff. If they can remain undefeated through this, through this whole thing, and they know, I know they have to beat Clemson. But I don't think Clemson is that. I don't think Clemson is that great. I yeah. think Florida State is a team that could beat Clemson and go undefeated and be that number three team in a college football playoff. And the number four team that I want in here, I'm gonna go with a dark horse, and that's Colorado. Colorado wow. makes it to number four. Colorado. Wow. Okay. And I, and I, Colorado makes it to number four because I got a feeling they they're going to upset USA. I have this feeling it's wow. an USC because I, I feel like the hype around Caleb Williams is going to be the distraction on why they lose this game. They all talking about, oh, Caleb Williams might back out because of the Arizona Cardinals might have the number one pick and all that. That's going to be a distraction in itself. So, and, and USC doesn't play any real competition in, in the Pac-12. I'm just going to be completely honest. Ah, Pac-12 is pretty good, Darian. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was never a big fan of Pac-12. Uh, but I mean, you UCLA, they not the same like they used to be. Stanford's not what they used to be. Oregon is uh, uh, Oregon. I think Colorado might might be Oregon. They might be the only one. Colorado might be the only one lost team in the college football playoff. I think they get over Alabama, and, and and I think Alabama loses another game this year too. I think they have two losses on their schedule. So I have Georgia, Michigan, um, Colorado at four, and Florida State at number three. Okay, so let's see. So I, I I would probably take Michigan to beat Florida State, and then in likelihood Georgia beat Colorado. So we get a, a Georgia Michigan game because I that's my national championship. I'd have Michigan winning. Who, who who do you got if that matchup occurs? 
<laughs> you got Georgia? I got Florida State going to the national championship oh. and beating Michigan. Nice. I got okay. I, I like Florida State versus Georgia. I like it. I like it. You know, two teams, two teams down south. That, that, that's good. I, I like that. By the way, we got a comment here um, from the Grid Network, also known as Barry. Uh, we have to let uh, Darren go from the Grid on behalf of Barry Grant Jr. He's obviously a big USC fan, so he he didn't like that. He didn't I, like listen, that comment. I, I know. Uh, listen, unfortunately, listen. If this, if the distractions get away from Caleb Williams, I, I I would change my pick. But all the distractions around him going to the NFL. And, and, and I, I don't know. I just feel I just feel like it's I don't see USC winning a national championship right now. I just don't see it. If they do get in, they have to beat Colorado and Oregon to get in. I don't even know if they play Oregon this year, but they're going to have to. I think they play them in the Pac-12 championship, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, if, yeah. Whatever, whatever. However that however that happens with that conference. But um, if I did have to take out Colorado. And I'm sorry, Barry. It won't be USC again. It will definitely be Texas. I will put Texas over USC right now. So I, I'm sorry. You, if you have to give me my pink slip right now, Barry, it is what <laughs> it is. But uh, I mean, I, I just I I gotta see that USC defense against a high power offense. Yeah, that's a Alex Grinch defensive coordinator there. That's been a big area of concern, you know, ever since he's been paired with Lincoln Riley back to the days of Oklahoma and now. And no, I I think Texas is a better football team than USC. I just think because you, I had USC as my number four team, uh, just because I think Caleb Williams is a is a generational talent at the quarterback position, uh, and he's obviously going to be the front runner in that twenty twenty four draft. Whether it's with the Arizona Cardinals or with somebody else, uh, you know, he's he's going to be he's going to going to be and continue to be you know a problem uh, at at this level and at the next level. So real quick, so rapid fire, and then we'll get you out of here so this is something we're introducing now to uh to the vol view so three sort of rapid fire and you you can obviously about uh you know elaborate on, on on why you have the answer that you have but uh three tennessee uh questions uh from personal experience from you in, in your opinions so uh first question would be your favorite tennessee football game of your that you remember like what's what's the game you're like oh man that's it right there I'm not going to lie to you, even though that we lost this, but when we played Purdue in the Music City Bowl, I think it's one of the best bowl games. That was a game, good seen. game. That was one of the – I actually I actually live-streamed that game, and I was so upset on how we lost that game. I was so mad how we lost that game. The bad and spot. And you know what's funny? Aiden O'Connell was the backup for the Las Vegas Raiders, and now he was with Purdue when he played. He scorched our defense. So uh, that's just one memorable game when we lost. Uh, in the Alabama win, the <sighs> Alabama win was was so emotional for me. When I went into my my friend's group chat and and I went I, when I said I was young at the top of my lungs when oh. we beat Alabama, it was sweet. It was sweet. It, it it couldn't get no better than that. And I just hope we keep that. We hope we get a winning streak going now because it's been what twenty years since we beat Alabama. Almost, like, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I was so ecstatic with that. No, that that's absolutely at the top of my list. Uh, you know, Tennessee beating Alabama. That was um, no, I, I'm right there with you. I, I barely could speak the next day. Uh, it's a good thing I didn't have a carving up live. Uh, you know, the next day. Uh, you know, on, on Sunday because man, I my my voice was absolutely shot, dude. I wasn't even at Neyland Stadium, and it was man, that was just an unbelievable night. You know, beating Alabama and ending that streak. So, uh, next question would be your first Tennessee Vols memory. Like the first thing that comes to your mind. Like okay, that's what I first remember kind of being a Tennessee fan. What what comes to your mind there, Darian? Um. People might not. People might be shocked about this, but um, when I first found out about, not even, is it Vols football or just be Vols in general? It can be Vols in general. It's the Vol view. Okay, so 
is when I first heard about Nikki McCray is Shamiqua Holeslaw. Oh, okay. When I first heard about Tennessee women's basketball, because you know they was always dominant. Oh, and yeah. always on TV. That was the one thing. It was like that's the school I want to go to because I saw the culture of their basketball program at the time, but I saw the culture of the football program hearing about Peyton Manning and and all the legends that came through, you know, you know, being being a being a Vol fan. But women's basketball really turned me on to Tennessee Vol sports in itself. So because I'm a big advocate for women's sports. I'm absolutely am. I coach little girls basketball. So I'm I'm a big, big advocate of women's basketball. So watching them win their championships and even going up to, all the way up to Kansas Parker, it uh it it, it even more I, I, one girl that just got drafted, I forgot her name, but she just got drafted to, to Seattle Storm. Um I forgot her name. I know uh, who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just got drafted to the Seattle Storm, but just the you know, just the culture of Tennessee basketball in itself. Yeah, I, that, that's the first thing I fell in love with. And then I just started falling in love with, you know, the softball, the baseball teams has been dominant. And, you know, I, I've been watching the, you know, the the College World Series, which I think we should have won. But another story, another time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, watching Nikki McCray and um, Shamiko Holesclaw. And rest, rest in peace to Nikki McCray as well. Yes, absolutely. And, and rest in peace as well to the great Pat Summer, who obviously coached those teams for a long time. And she – no, it, it, it you know, there was – Rebound and defense. <laughs> yep, rebound and defense. No, she she was ultimate, you know, fundamentals type of coach, and she was, you know, very very kind of old school in the sense of like she was very, you know, kind of hard on her players. But in the, the day, that the players knew and, and the coach knew, obviously, that there was the mutual love and respect between both of them, and obviously, she had a ton of success there. And th- you know, there was a point in time where Tennessee and UConn had that rivalry, and it was kind of, you know, who's the greatest yes. coach? Is it Pat or is it Geno? Uh, and, and obviously, they, they they had to, you know, they had some battles over the years, and uh, obviously, some great ones. And Pat is is one of the all time greats in Tennessee women's. Uh, uh, basketball had some great players headlined by my uh, my favorite WNBA player Candace Parker for that very reason mm-hmm. so there you go and final question uh you sort of I, I don't know if the answer will be the same as your as your you know the last question I asked but I'll ask it anyway your favorite Tennessee Vols athlete that's tough that is it tough. is because I could name Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. <laughs> I could name Peyton Manning but um I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have to go with Candace Parker. I'm gonna have Love to go it. with Candace Parker. And and Candace Parker, she was just a different breed. And the funny thing is, I watched her in high school. I watched her in high oh, school really? in Illinois. So when she when she dunked in the McDonald's All American Dunk Slam Dunk Contest, and when I found out she was committed to Tennessee, I said we're winning championships with her. So, um, I, 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 you see how it turned out being yep. there. So. Um, I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to say Candace Parker, and you know, ah, that's tough. But you know, you you got a lot of greats that came through Tennessee, but Candace Parker just she just different for her size yep. and the way she could dribble the basketball. She could play all five positions on the basketball court. So it's it she just makes a difference, and she really made a difference being a leader. Like she's she was the Pat Summit on the floor when Pat Summit was on the sideline. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Candace Parker there. 
and I hope she's able to get you know get healthy pretty soon to help the Vegas Aces. Obviously, the WNBA playoffs just started. You know, going. I obviously picked them to win the championship, uh, so hopefully she can get back soon. That Vegas. Uh, that, now, if we uh, not to get out too off topic, we get an Aces um, Liberty WNBA Finals. That'll be great for the WNBA and great for women's basketball mm-hmm. as a whole. So that'd yes. be an awesome series. Um, a lot of storylines in that situation too. Yeah, Becky Hammond is a, a New York Liberty legend, and she now coaches the Aces. So a lot of storylines in that. For sure, and, and the star, the stars are you got Asia Wilson, Sabrina Nescu, Brianna Stewart. That would be an unbelievable series. Kelsey Plump. Okay, it'd be probably be down to three for me. I have to narrow it down to one. So it'd be either Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. Admiral Schofield. Remember Admiral Schofield from yeah. uh, Tennessee men's basketball? I love I Admiral totally Schofield. Forgot about. Oh my god! Totally forgot about. God, this is hard, man. You know what? I'll have an answer for you next time. That, that that that's a hard question. Oh, Candace so Parker's cool. up. The, <laughs> oh man, I'm not gonna narrow it down to one off the. Okay, Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, just because he, he was the guy. He, he was the guy who helped us beat Alabama. Obviously, you know he would have been the Heisman Trophy winner had he stayed healthy. And who knows what we've been able to accomplish last season? But I'll, I'll probably go Hendon. But listen, there's like you said, there's so many great options. But uh, Darian, before we get out of here, man, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, y'all can find me on all social medias at The Hopkins Show and on YouTube at the Daria Hopkins Sports Show. And if you do want to check me out every Wednesday on the Grid Network, uh, the Raider Nation Roundup will be premiering on this this upcoming Wednesday. So make sure y'all check that out on the Grid Network. And the Ember Raiders podcast every Tuesday on the YouTube channel. So y'all can check me out there on all the social media platforms. Absolutely, my man. Have a good one. Hopefully, we can have you, uh, you know, back on once again for the Volvium for other stuff. Uh, you're a great addition to the Grid Network, and uh, you've you've already been doing a fantastic job with the streams and otherwise. So, you know, continue to do what you're doing, and hopefully, we can link up again, my man. Thank you again. I apologize in the beginning for the audio and everything, but it's all good. I'm here, and let's go, Vols. Let's let's get this win. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Darian. All right, you too. Darian Hopkins, newest addition to the Grid Network on Carving Up Live here. Obviously, love you know, love having him on. Love having, I love having. I never thought I'd have a fellow Tennessee fan on on the network. So uh, very excited. Like I said, when when Barry was was hit me up, like, hey, you know, we're we're probably gonna add this guy. Like, check out his content. I'm like, you know, check it out. I'm like, oh my god, he's a Tennessee fan. Let's go. So um, yeah, there you go. So. Uh, that is the end of the Vol Report. About to, uh, the Vol Report, the Vol View. About to get into uh, NFL predictions, but signing off for the Vol View, Darian Hopkins and Bryson Carver, Tennessee thirty-four, Florida twenty. We're gonna get it done tomorrow. Here we go. The voice of John Ward, folks, never gets old. It never gets old. By the way, um, you guys might have noticed I'm drinking just a, a glass of water today because I normally drink uh, drink Gatorade uh, on this show, but I, I couldn't do that today because 
Gatorade was obviously invented at the University of Florida, and so I'm not. And anything that's anti-Florida Gators all the time, and especially this week, especially on Florida Hate Week. Oh, come on now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be out here and and, and, and you know praising the the Florida Gators. I'm not gonna do that. And I just literally just spilled my water just now. So there you go. That's man, hopefully that's not a bad omen. Hopefully that's not a bad omen. But I literally just spilled my water live on the show. So I've got backup though. I got backup. So and we got a towel. Thankfully we got a towel. So. That's this is I'm shocked that it doesn't have more open, but yeah, this is the just uh, just spill my water on carving up live. Here we go. But uh, anyways, like I said, got a backup though. Here we go, got a backup. Okay, so now I've messed around uh, talking about uh, spilled waters and why I don't like Gatorade today. We've got a uh, we've got a great weekend of NFL Week Two action. So let's not just mess around. We got upset the week. We got if I were a bet, man. We got the whole bet, man. So let's just go ahead and get the background music playing and let's predict week two of the NFL season right now here on Carving It Up Live. And we will start with the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo, big favorite in this game. The line has changed, kind of fluctuated between like a point, point, a half point ish, you know, something like that. Uh, Buffalo today, right now, is favored minus eight. Over the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, the Bills coming out. It's a short week. Coming off of a rough, rough loss against the, the New York Jets. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen having a four turnover game. Rough performance overall for uh for the for the uh for the Bills against a, a Jets team that aside from four snaps was not even playing Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders, Darian's Raiders, on the other hand, you saw uh, Darian there uh on the Vault View, big time Las Vegas Raiders fan. Raiders coming off a big time road win on the road against the Denver Broncos, a game that I did not think they would win, although I did say it'd be close. I, I think I took the Raiders the points uh for the record as well. But listen, this is the Raiders team with some really good offensive pieces. Devontae Adams, uh, who could be you know a bit of a problem for Buffalo's uh, secondary, which has struggled at times. Uh, Devontae Adams is spectacular, and you got Josh Jacobs. You got some of those pieces offensively. An okay offensive line, but there's limitations at quarterback, and there's big-time limitations of the defense, and it's it's really why the, the loss was so bad for the, for the Denver Broncos. I get it's a new system. I get it's Sean Payton. I get that Russell has clearly regressed or dare I say, has been exposed from his time back in Seattle. Not to make this too much about Russell Wilson, but that is who the Raiders just played this past week. Uh, Josh Allen is obviously better than Russell Wilson. I think that goes without saying. Uh, the Bills have more of a structure offensively than the Broncos do. Uh, I actually will take the Raiders to uh, end the points, but I'll take the, the Buffalo Bills to win this game. Again, this is one of our only big lines of the game. Uh, Buffalo, I think, wins this game 27-19 to over the Raiders. And they take care of business at home. Uh, the home opener, by the way, for uh, for Buffalo. So there you go. They, they take care of business. They beat the Raiders. And they move to 1-1. One and one. Moving on to our next game. And it just so happens, right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, to be my upset of the week. Give me the Baltimore Ravens over the Cincinnati Bengals on the road by a final score of 27-24. to 24. Second straight week, I am picking a road underdog to win this football game. And here's why. So, this is a divisional matchup. A lot of familiarity between the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, both teams coming off of underwhelming performances. In the case of Cincinnati, not just an, uh, a loss, but a terrible performance against the Cincinnati, I'm sorry, against the Cleveland Browns, in which they scored three more points than you and I did. So, Joe Burrow was bad in that game. A career low, 82 yards passing, completed about 45% of his throws. The the, the, uh, the Bengals' rushing attack was bad. The offensive line was nothing, and I do mean nothing, short of atrocious Whereas for Baltimore, yes, they beat Houston. By the way, they did cover when a situation where they just barely escaped out of there. Home opener took care of business. 
against a young Houston Texans team. Here's the problem. They lost the starting running back, J.K. Dobbins, for the season due to an Achilles injury, and Ronnie Stanley, their fantastic tackle, is hurt as well. Not to mention Lamar Jackson didn't look all that great. This is a good Cincinnati Bengals defense, can present problems, particularly in the front seven. It's on the back end that they concern me. And by the way, for Cincinnati, uh, it's the it's the the front five, so to speak, the offensive line that I think is going to get absolutely torched and exposed by a solid Ravens pass rush. So again, I will take the Ravens to win this game 27 to 24 over the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati back-to-back years, they'll start 0-2. And back-to-back years, folks, it's no big deal. The Bengals will be just fine. I still think they will win the AFC North, uh, but I've got the Ravens in my upset of the week to win 27-24 over. I'm sorry, the Ravens to win 27-24 over the Cincinnati Bengals. Moving on to the next game. This, to me, is easily, unquestionably, the most entertaining game for Sunday, if not all of Week 2 as a whole. The defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, going on the road to Trevor Lawrence's house to the guy who I think is going to win the MVP over Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, the Jags as a whole. The Chiefs on the road are three and a half point favorites, and for good reason. Listen. Andy Reid is historically great in September. So is Patrick Mahomes. Again, last week against Detroit was only his first week one loss of his uh, already incredible young career. And, of course, the Chiefs are getting reinforcements. Travis Kelsey is back this week. As I said, a very swift recovery, if I do say so myself. See what I did there? Chris Jones also back. His holdout is over. Uh, signed a, a, a contract that I don't think is terribly beneficial to him. If, if we need, At least we consider the fines he's accumulated for this holdout. But he's back. One-year deal. He'll be there the rest of the season uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Arguably is the best interior lineman in the NFL, not named Aaron Donald. And even when Aaron Donald's down, Chris Jones is the man. Now for Jacksonville, pretty impressive performance, albeit it was close, but again, divisional familiarity is a real thing. Indianapolis came in, months prepare, played well, Jacksonville made the plays down the stretch, Trevor Lawrence was nothing short of spectacular, made some unbelievable throws to guys like Calvin Ridley and to Zay Jones, played outstanding, he's got targets like Evan Ingram, a solid offensive line, he's got Travis Etienne running the football, and listen, this is the only concern I had coming into the Jags this season in terms of them being a Super Bowl threat, and I did have them getting to the AFC title game and losing to the same Kansas City Chiefs is it's a young defense. It's a defense that is going to, it's a little green. It's going to take some time to, you know, kind of build their culture, improve as the season goes on. But I think Jacksonville, I think it's going to be a high-scoring football game. Uh, you know, listen, I know Dallas and the Jets, and of course we assumed Rodgers was going to play in that game. I know that was CBS's big game of the week. Either they should have put this game in a different uh, on a different week of the schedule, or Dallas to the Jets a different time of the schedule. Because no offense to to you know any of the people calling that game whatsoever, but to me the number one CBS team should have been on the call. Nance, Romo, Wolfson. This should have been the, the number one crew for CBS. This game is going to go down to the wire. I think Kansas City covers and therefore wins this football game 35-30. to I think getting Kelsey back. Kadarius Toney catches the passes that he dropped uh, last week against Detroit. Sky Moore does the same. The offensive line plays better. I'm going to take Kansas City to bounce back. I just have a hard time seeing Patrick Mahomes starting a season 0-2, particularly when defending a Super Bowl title of all scenarios there. So Kansas City wins 35-30 to over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they go to 1-1, one and, one, and the Jaguars also go to 1-1. One and, one. and that very well could be the difference. I have Kansas City. I think I had them at 14-3 and three this season. I still feel good about that. I think uh, this could very well be a type of game to decide home field advantage. Should these two teams match up, which I think they will in Arrowhead Stadium, in the AFC title game. But two of the best three quarterbacks in the world going face-to-face, going, you know, to squaring off face-to-face. I cannot, I, I, I cannot wait to see, you know, what, what happens to that one. Next, this is a weird one. 
Los Angeles Chargers and the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee is a dog in this game at home. Chargers are two and a half point favorites. And why, I'm not quite sure. Listen, both teams are 0-1, but Tennessee's problem was they couldn't score points. The Chargers' problem is they couldn't stop giving up points in their particular matchup last week against the Miami Dolphins. Listen, to be the quarterback gap between Herbert and Tannehill is obviously substantial. Justin Herbert is an incredible talent, has the entire package, uh, just doesn't have the offensive coaching staff and personnel regarding Kellen Moore and everybody else involved. But the weapons there in L.A. are as good as it gets in the, in the National Football League. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and the kid they drafted, Quentin Johnson, out of TCU. Very good receiving core. Very good. Josh Palmer's there, by the way. Very good player. So the Chargers have that. Defensively, they have playmakers. They have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And, well, I probably shouldn't say J.C. Jackson, given how he's looked since putting on a Chargers uniform. But they also had Derwin James as well, who's been an excellent safety since coming into the league, I believe, in 2018. Here's the thing that, to me, is the deciding factor. One team is coached by Mike Vrabel. The other team is coached by Brandon Staley. That decides it for me. I think it's kind of an ugly game. Listen, Chargers going on the East Coast uh, and those you know West Coast teams going to play these early time window games, these 1 o'clock games, in the case of Nashville, a noon game on the East Coast tends to not go so well due to the travel situation there. Titans win this one in an upset, albeit not my upset of the week, 23-17 over the Los Angeles Chargers. They get their first one of the year in L.A., who I do not have any faith in whatsoever. Why should I? They're the Chargers. Uh, they're going to start 0-2 on this brand new season. I never had to make it the playoffs from the beginning, and this will be just another step in them missing the playoffs. Okay, moving on to the next matchup. Again, this is a tough one for me because of a lot of factors. It's the Green Bay Packers. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Two 1-0 teams in the NFC, neither of which we, if we're being completely honest, see as much of a playoff threat if they were to get there. Again, listen, Detroit's the class of the NFC North. That's undebated. That, that, that's not even debatable. But Green Bay, listen, they can sneak into the NFC playoffs. I've had them at 6-11. Still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Still I'm a little bit skeptical of Jordan Love. He did, after all, play the worst defense in the NFL last week. A defense that uh, basically every quarterback imaginable succeeds against and looks good against. That's why Mac Jones not looking good against the Bears last year is an area of concern. That's not here nor there. Saying about Mac Jones, we'll get to him later when they, you know, talk about we talk about the Dolphins Patriots game. In this one though, again, Jordan Love comes off a very impressive first start uh, as not first start in general, but first start as the Packers franchise guy for the time being. Here's the problem for the Green Bay Packers that I'm a little bit concerned about, and something that the Falcons should obviously take advantage of in this football game. The Green Bay Packers are possibly for a second straight week going to be without Christian Watson, who's their number one receiver. Christian Watson, as we sit here today, is questionable uh, to play this game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he is dealing with, um, uh, again, he's a limited participant list of his questionable, dealing with a lower body injury. Aaron Jones, who we saw getting hurt, get hurt during the Bears game, runs for that long touchdown on the short slant pass on fourth down from Jordan Love. He's going to the house. Ooh, and then he starts to grab that hammy. He starts to grab that hammy as he's starting to, 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 to run into the end zone. Uh, so he's listed uh, as questionable for Sunday's game against Atlanta as well, obviously with that hamstring injury. For Atlanta, listen, this is a defense that has been awful for the last half decade plus. They addressed it in the offseason. They drafted defense uh, you know, throughout most of the draft. They went out and got Calais Campbell, good veteran leader, good interior defensive lineman. Uh, this is going to be a game that's going to be all about A.J. Dillon for Green Bay. It's going to be all about uh, uh, Jordan Love's connection with Romeo Dobbs. And with the kid, by the way, I like their, the, the young tight end they drafted. He had a solid game against the Bears as well. By the way, Atlanta is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, just for the record. This is this was almost Bryson's bleak bet, but I actually saved it for later on. 
for another NFC North team playing their game. I'm going to grit my teeth and say Atlanta actually wins this game and barely covers 22-20 to over the Green Bay Packers. Again, Jordan Love's playing a substantially better defense this week than he played last week. Uh, and listen, I'm not a Desmond Ritter fan in the slightest. I'm not a believer that he's all of a sudden the guy for Atlanta, despite some of the pieces they have there. But I think because of the pieces they have there in Atlanta and because of the improved defense, they get the job done. They win their second straight game both at home, both in my view against quarterbacks who are either limited or just aren't ready yet in the case of Bryce Young, so I, that's what I got. For our next matchup, two teams I had making the playoffs before the season, one of which I just so happened to have going to the NFC title game. It's the Seattle Seahawks, it's the Detroit Lions. For those of you wondering, it was the Lions I picked to get to the NFC title game, in case I haven't made that apparent enough on the show. Detroit at home, home opener, Ford Field, four and a half point favorites against Seattle. So, Seattle's coming off of a brutal home loss in which they lost 30-13. I think the final score was against the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford with virtually nothing. No Cooper Cup with guys like 2-2 Atwell and, and Van Jefferson and Tyler Higbee's going up and down the field against a very talented Seattle Seahawks defense. It's a defense that was excellent last year. Helped them get to the playoffs. So that's going to be something for a Seattle that's going to be a big, you know, big focal point for them is trying to improve on, on, on a bad defensive performance against one of the best offenses in football. Listen, in what was a you know, kind of an underwhelming performance for Detroit, in the fact that sure they scored 28 in the game, 21 of those points were scored by, by the offense. Brian Branch had the pick six against Patrick Mahomes to get the other seven. But this is a Lions offense that has Jared Goff, who's a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. You have Amandra St. Brown. You have Jameer Gibbs, who they did not use enough, in my view, last week in Kansas City. They will use him in this game against Seattle. By the way, too, this is a this is a uh, Detroit Lions defense that has vastly improved uh, from last season, addressing it in the last two drafts, addressing it in free agency, um, adding guys like um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who played well against Kansas City, Cam Sutton as well, and Adrian Hutchinson showed flashes against a good Chiefs offensive line, but he could be a problem. He was, after all, the second overall pick in 2022. Now he's playing a Seattle Seahawks offense that is missing some key offensive linemen. I think the Detroit Lions win this game. They cover relatively easily. Detroit wins 34-23. to High-scoring affair for Detroit. 34-23, the Lions win and go to 2-0. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in this game by 11. Seattle falls to 0 and 2. Moving on to this next matchup, we've got in this game the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans, a game that's actually recently had a had had a new recent development regarding a, an injury to a quarterback uh, in this one. So, uh, Texans for now are just a 1 point favorite at home. They might be without their young player, their young rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, second overall pick, of course, uh, out of Ohio State. So it could be Davis Mills at quarterback for Houston. By the way, a guy who's been suggested as a potential replacement, uh, of course, just for this season only for Aaron Rodgers in, in New York. So we'll see how that plays out. But Davis Mills is a solid backup. But Houston's a one-point favorite, uh, and, and Stroud is questionable. So... Listen, Stroud is obviously more talented than Mills, but again, he's he's only in his rookie year. It's only year two. He's not this generational prospect like a like a Justin Herbert or like a like a Trevor Lawrence or Caleb Williams down the pipeline. So we'll treat this as if either of them are playing. So I don't th- I don't think there's that big of a gap. I don't think it's going to affect the Vegas line too much. So Colts coming off of a hard fought loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Anthony Richardson had some moments where the thing that that caught me off guard the most was. How comfortable he looked. Again, accuracy was a big problem of ARs coming out of Florida. He looked good. He looked comfortable. He, he he was able to make passes on time and on target. This is Houston, Texas defense that has improved to a certain extent. 
Obviously, adding D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive coach, to be their head coach. And Houston has plenty of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. The problem is, due to the injury with Stroud, if he does play, he'll be limited. And with Davis Mills, well, he was, after all, the starting quarterback that helped Houston get the number two pick. And what probably should have been the number one pick had Lovey Smith not tanked the last game against the Indianapolis Colts dated back to last season. So, a rematch of a game that the Houston Texans may or may not want to forget, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see in that regard. So, I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Neither defense is special, but neither offense is special. Indianapolis could be special at the quarterback position. They just don't have that many good weapons. I like Pittman, but that's about all they got. And then as for Houston, they've got the weapons. Again, John Mechie, whether or not he'll be able to play uh, in this game or not and make his NFL debut, I believe, will be a question. Uh, Damian Pierce is a good running back. It's a good enough. It's a good enough. Houston-Texas offensive line against a defensive line like Indianapolis. Uh, I'll take the Texans. Again, there's a lot of lack of confidence picks for a guy in myself who's trying to bounce back from a from an 8-8 eight eight week one, but I'll take Houston to win this football game in a battle of two teams who will likely have top uh, picks next year in the draft once again. Houston wins this game 19-17. to Neither team breaks 20 over the Indianapolis Colts, and they cover the one-point line. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the one game every week that I have absolutely zero confidence in. But hey, you got to predict them all when it's all said and done. In this one, I mentioned it'd, be, it'd feature an NFC North team. It is the Chicago Bears. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite here at home, coming off of a very impressive road win on the road against the Minnesota Vikings last week. Baker Mayfield played solid, didn't make any big mistakes, uh, made a big throw to Mike Evans down the field in that football game. Their defense played well against a high-powered Vikings offense. Uh, again, in a dome in, a dome in, in Minnesota where offense should be going all over the place, Tampa Bay's defense, which still has a lot of guys from that Super Bowl defense, made some big-time plays in this one. Chicago, on the other hand, is coming off a pretty bad home loss at home against the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field 38-20 to in a game in which Justin Fields didn't play particularly well. The defense looked just as bad as it looked last year, especially at the end of last season. And for the record, and this is something that I pointed out the next day on Carving It Up Live and something that all these meme accounts pointed out days after I said it, if you check the tape, I'm not sure Chase Claypool, receiver for the Bears, knew that he was playing an NFL football game. Yeah, I'm not quite sure he was he was aware of the situation, what was going on. The effort was as bad as I've seen from a receiver in an in a National Football League contest as I've ever seen. So you have to think the coaches maybe put a bug in his ear, or maybe the film put a bug in his ear in that regard. Like, hey, dude, play harder. Okay, don't let the score impact how hard you play in this game. This is a big one for Chicago because this is a team that I had on the outside looking in, but barely in the playoffs. I had them with an 8-9 record, finishing third in the NFC South. Today, I think they look like, even with Minnesota being 0-2, unquestionably the worst team in that division as we sit here today. Listen, Chicago's going against a, a Tampa defensive line. That is tough but it's not elite. It's the linebacking core for Tampa Bay, guys like Devin White and Levante David, that are going to be the keys uh, to, to attack for, for Chicago. I think the running game is going to be crucial, absolutely crucial for this group. Uh, whether or not they can attack it, guys like Khalil Herbert, obviously, and Justin Fields, of course, with his legs. This, to me, is going to be a run-first type of situation for the Chicago Bears. For Tampa Bay, again, there's going to be a lot of sort of overreaction betting in Week 2 of this NFL season because of what we saw in Week 1. Is it repeatable for a lot of these teams? Yes, absolutely. For some of these teams like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I simply don't think it is. I still think Tampa Bay is just going to win three games this year. I don't believe in them whatsoever. Some heads are going to roll. Some coaches are forcefully going to be fired. And they're going to be in the mix for Caleb Williams 
or in my view, Drake May. Bryce's bleak bats. Uh, give me this Bears, I guess. But I'll, listen, it goes on the resume. goes on the, the record sheet. Bears 25. Bucks 23. Bryce's bleak bats. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll roll with Chicago, I guess. Okay, now to the afternoon slate of games. This is an interesting one. Two 0-1 teams with uh, two interesting outlooks on this game and the season. The New York Giants, fresh off a 40 to nothing waxing against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football and the Arizona Cardinals in their home opener, a team that I believe is going to win one single solitary game this week. Um, could that be this week against the New York Giants? Could it be? Well, you have to tune in, or stay tuned, rather, to find out. So... By the way, New York on the road, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, Arizona probably the worst team in the NFL. The Giants, though, looked like that last week against Dallas. Uh, listen, Daniel Jones, I know a lot of people crushed Daniel Jones. Some of it well-deserved. He had a QBR of eight. I think he had a pass rating in the 20s, if I'm not mistaken. He was nothing short of miserable against a great Cowboys defense. That, I said the next day on the show after that game, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks, and I'm not a Daniel Jones guy at all, by the way, but I'm not sure how many great quarterbacks or even good quarterbacks, of course, would have been successful against that Dallas front, given the offensive line that Daniel Jones had in front of him. It's no line that with Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, I think it's fine, it's talented, but Dallas is just better. Dallas is faster. Dallas is bigger. Dallas is stronger. Dallas is better um, than the New York Giants offensive line. They took advantage of that. Danny Dimes, Danny Pennies, at least in this game, uh, made some mistakes. So that's going to be something uh, that he'll look to obviously bounce back on. Listen, the Cardinals that don't have an elite, they don't really have an elite anything when it's all said and done. They don't have a great defensive line. I actually think this game actually is, is close for the, for, you know, kind of stressing out betters who take the Giants to, to cover the spread. Um, you know, I love my man Joshua Dobbs. That's my guy. He was, it was, it was announced by Jonathan Gannon, who had a fire in his gut. The Joshua Dobbs is going to start in this football game. He does not have a regular season win on his resume yet. And he will not get one this week. Sorry to, to tease that for my fellow Vols fans. Sorry, Darian. Sorry, Vol Nation. Giants win this game by double digits. I'll take him 26-16 to 16 in an offensive bounce back. Literally scoring any points will be an offensive bounce back from a week ago. But Giants win this football game 26-16 to 16 over the Arizona Cardinals. In the next game in which I almost took this one as my if I were a Batman segment, but I was like, ah, I'll pull back. It is the San Francisco 49ers. It is the Los Angeles Rams. San Francisco on the road against a 1-0 team that just won the Super Bowl 18 months ago. San Francisco is a 7.5 point road favorite. So really, if you do the, if you do the math, they're the biggest favorite of this weekend because they're 7.5 point favorites on the road. The only, the only other ones, only other bigger favorites thus far are the Cowboys and the Bills who are both at home. So there you go. So, San Francisco favor minus 7.5. Again, I think this is the best team in the NFL on Bryson's best 10, which I did on Wednesday. I had them at number one, followed by Kansas City, Dallas, and Detroit. Uh, listen, this is, again, I, I know it may sound like I'm beating a dead horse. I don't know where the weakness is in this roster. I really don't. I really don't. This is a roster that is elite in the backfield. Elite at the offensive line. Elite at tight end. Elite at wide receiver. Elite on the front four. Elite in the linebacking core. I wouldn't say quite elite in the secondary, but Ufunga, Talano Ufunga, who had a pick last week on my man Kenny Pickett, oh, he is absolutely elite. He's a Pro Bowl, All-Pro all level safety. He's elite. And while Brock Purdy's not elite, old Sturdy Purdy, as I dubbed him last December, he's sturdy, and sometimes even more than that. He's a good player. He's a he's he's making it a very hard... It's a hard case to not say he's a, dare I say, a top 
12, 13 quarterback in the NFL, Mr. Irrelevant, who people look past that, or if people look past that, they'll see the fact that this guy is accurate, they'll see that this guy is mobile, they'll see that this guy is able to make plays in and out of a, a Kyle Shanahan offensive structure, which is what separates him from a Trey Lance and from a Jimmy Garoppolo, who of course the Niners thought would be their guy, it, instead it happens to be Sturdy Purdy. Listen, if there was ever a game in week one that is a mirage, that is something that is not going to be repeated, it is the Los Angeles Rams winning back-to-back games. This is a Rams team that I have winning seven games because they have a great coach in McVay, a guy capable, if he's healthy, of being a great quarterback in Stafford, a great defensive player in Aaron Donald still at this point in his career, and a great wide receiver, my twin, Cooper Cup, who is on IR, of course. That performance is not repeatable. I know the game is being played in Los Angeles. I promise you, I'll guarantee you, this will be a Niners home game. Every time they play in SoFi, it's Niners by a lot in terms of the fan population there. I will take San Francisco to win quite comfortably, 38-20. to Again, we know Sh- uh, Sean McVay, while a great coach, cannot beat Kyle Shanahan, even when Kyle Shanahan's had some below average to even further down than that quarterbacks. He still has Sean McVay's number. He still gets the best of them. Uh, I think that will continue since, I'm sorry, Cincinnati. San Francisco wins this football game 38-20 over the Los Angeles Rams. To our next game. Might be the highest rated game of the weekend because of the two teams it features in particular. One, the New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, a big home favorites, favored minus nine. So, the Jets have been, I think, undeniably the most talked about team in the NFL over the past seven days, and certainly not for the reasons they thought they'd be talked about in regard to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that has been the topic, but of course, it revolves around him four plays into his Jets career, tearing his Achilles, being. I guess done for the season, although Aaron's like, hey, Kevin Garnett, never say never. Who knows? Modern medicine is incredible. But the point is, the Jets will have Zach Wilson at quarterback, and that's not exactly a great thing. Here's the thing for Dallas. It's it's, it's quite simple, actually. You got arguably the best defense in the NFL, although the defense of the Jets can make a strong case in that regard as well, but Dallas is the best, one of, if not the best defense in the NFL, led by Micah Parsons up front. You'll take care of business. You're going to take the ball away from Zach Wilson. I say they take away from Zach Wilson four times. Let's say three picks and a strip sack off of Zach Wilson in this football game. Here's the only way Dallas can lose. It's the only way Buffalo could have lost last week is if your quarterback makes boneheaded decisions, boneheaded mistakes, and commits boneheaded turnovers. Well, Josh Allen, that's kind of been his history. Dak Prescott, even the last year with the 15 picks in 12 games, that is not his history. Last healthy season, Dak Prescott only threw 10 picks in 16 games. I have no reason to believe that he will not bounce back. By the way, I think Dallas will run the football fairly effectively. Dak will be in a position to make more big-time throws. Again, he didn't have to make any big-time throws last week because they were up... I mean, he had one offensive drive, and Dallas was up 16 to nothing because of what they did on the defensive side of the ball and on special teams with the blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. Dallas wins this game easily. I literally... The only avenue for the Jets to lose to win this football game is if Dak Prescott is the best quarterback for the New York Jets and that he turns the ball over multiple times. I think he has zero turnovers. Once again, continue to, to, to shut up the, the haters and the doubters and those who, for some odd reason, don't see Dak Prescott as a top eight quarterback in the NFL, if not just a bit higher with, unfortunately, the injury to Aaron Rodgers and now with Josh Allen going uh, you know going sideways 
as well. Dallas wins 34-13. I put up the final score. I think I did. Dallas wins this football game 34-13 over the New York Jets. The last game in the afternoon window before we get to Sunday Night Football is the Washington Commanders taking on the Denver Broncos. Denver their favor minus three and a half. This is a must-win game for Denver. Listen, there are some 0-1 teams. Half the league's obviously 0-1. For some, if Kansas City loses to Jacksonville, okay, listen, you're working your your guys back in the rotation. Kelsey, Chris Jones, it's Andy Reid, it's Patrick Mahomes. They'll be fine. They'll still win the AFC West. They'll be, nothing to worry about in Kansas City. You cannot say the same for the Denver Broncos. They had two home games to start the season. One against Jimmy Garoppolo. The other against Sam Howell. You cannot go 0-2 in those games. If you look at Denver's schedule moving forward, it is about as brutal as it gets, at least the, the, the schedule beyond just this football game, in which, again, they are favored, of course, to beat Washington. They have to go on the road to play the Miami Dolphins, who I don't know if you've seen are kind of red hot right now, albeit through one week, but that offense looks outstanding. They go on the road to play Chicago. Eh. The Jets is not a guarantee because of the fact that the Jets feel disrespected by Sean Payton. And listen, Zach Wilson may or may not be the quarterback in that game, but... uh. Russell Wilson is exactly an eye-popper when it comes to what he's produced over the last season. They got Kansas City on the road after that. Then the Packers. Then Kansas City again. The upcoming schedule for for uh, Denver is brutal. They got to win this football game over the Washington Commanders. Listen, Washington has a good defense. They tend to, to have just that, especially defensive coach Ron Rivera. The man is not specialized in the offensive side of the ball, especially in the last few years, and especially at the quarterback position. But... Ron Rivera defenses tend to be really talented, really good, really fast, and they tend to take the ball away. So that'll be a little bit of a, an area of concern for Denver's offense. However, this is Sean Payton. He'll have his guys ready to go. I actually will take Washington and the points, but Denver to win outright 20-17 to over the Commanders. Russell, look, he played efficient. He didn't turn the football over last week. I actually do think he'll have one turnover in this game against Washington. However... What any big plays down the field? Could we see that against the Commanders? Maybe. I think we actually could. I'll take Denver to get a season-saving win, 20-17. They start 0-2 with two losses at home to Sam Howell and to Jimmy Garoppolo. Forget about it. Write the Broncos off. They done. So with that, that leaves us one game left in process of elimination. We haven't done this segment yet, so it is time for... We're a betting man. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins, and I'm looking at the New England Patriots from Foxborough, from the house that Tom built, if you will. The Dolphins on the road are three-point favorites against the Patriots. A Patriots team coming off of a moral victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. A game in which when Mac Jones threw a pick six, and not just any pick six, ladies and gentlemen, a pick six in which he, was, he, th- he throws the pass and gets tipped. It was a bad pass, by the way, got tipped. Goes to Darius Slay. Here comes old Slay running down the sideline, and Mac Jones like, ah, I'll let him score. I won't like try and shove him out of bounds and save seven points. By the way, we lost the game by five points. You think it might have actually meant something uh, to the outcome of that football game? Actually, I think it ended up being six. Uh, I think Elliott might have missed the extra point. Point is, gave up six to seven points on that pick six to Darius Slay. And Mac Jones looked uh, like a competent quarterback in the second half, albeit they attacked the middle of the field where the Eagles are very weak. But that's okay. Bill O'Brien did. He accomplished the game plan that he wanted to. Props to him. I'll be if they lost the game. Miami, on the other hand, are flying sky high on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. It was probably a Dolphins home game because the Chargers don't play any home games, uh, as we know. It's the only team in the NFL that plays either neutral site or road games. But Miami goes into L.A. 
with a very talented team, although the Chargers, in terms of the talent of their players, if you look like their Madden ratings, probably match them player for player. Tua Tungavailoa showed me something that he did not show me most, if not all, of last year. I don't know if it's because he put on some muscle. The dude, all of a sudden, has a cannon. Maybe not cannon, but an improved arm, certainly, with Tyreek Hill running down the sidelines making plays. You have Raheem Mostert in the backfield. You have a good offensive line that did a good job in protecting Tua. He was able to make plays moving in and out of the pocket. You have Jalen Waddle, who's a threat. Uh, listen, I do not believe Bill Belichick is going to make the same mistake that Brandon Staley did. And that's, you know, fastest player in pads on planet Earth. And we're going to leave him one-on-one man-to-man coverage the entire football game. And what's Tyreek Hill going to do to you? Well, he's going to go for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. That's exactly what he's going to do against you. Listen, it's a Belichick-led defense. They will cause problems from time to time. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to cause any problems whatsoever. Give me the Miami Dolphins to win this game easily. 35-23. to They cover. Minus three in Miami. Come on. If I were a bet, man, man, I'm taking that any day of the week, as always. Man, take Miami. Minus three to beat the New England Patriots. 35-23 in Foxborough. Patriots start 0-2. Moral victories don't count for real victories, Patriots fans, okay? Come on now. thought the standard was higher than that. Jeez. Miami wins. By the way, real quick before we get out of here, look back over. So my upset of the week, I got the Ravens over the Bengals 27-24 to in Bryson's Bleak Bet. I've got the, I'm sorry, I've got the Chicago Bears over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 25-23. to And finally in, if I were a betting man, I take the Miami Dolphins to start 2-0 to cover the spread, the three-point spread to win 35-23 to over the New England Patriots. And you say, Bryson, you know, you said Denver losing two home games to start their season is like uh, it's it's season ending because the quarterbacks are losing two. And New England's playing much better quarterbacks than two Alabama guys. Playing an Alabama guy, by the way. Mac Jones, Alabama guy, facing Jalen Hurts, former teammate, for, facing Tua Tagovailoa, also a former teammate. And they both going to get him. Hurts got him. Tua's going to get him good. Tua's going to get him in somewhat of a blowout fashion. Only concern a little bit is Miami. Is, is is defensively, but it's Vic Fangio, so he'll he'll have a game plan to stop uh what offense there sort of is in New England. I mean, I guess what is their second best offensive piece is is um, Juju Smith Schuster. It probably goes like Hunter Henry, Juju Smith Schuster, Zeke. Eh, okay, good good luck with that. Okay. What a show. We're we're nearing the two-hour. We're probably, by the time I get to my outro, we're going to get to the two-hour mark. I don't know the last time we've done that on Carving Up Live, but doggone it, we had a loaded show today. We had a lot to talk about. With that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday with a lot of Week 2 reaction and maybe some Tennessee-Florida reaction at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And, of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Big shout out to Darian, uh, Darian Hopkins, newest member to the Grid Network, uh, hopping on for the Vol View uh, and to talk about other things regarding college football. You can catch his content in all the uh, areas he, he, he detailed and laid out on the show at around the one-hour mark. And he's doing some great live streams here on the Grid Network, reacting to games as they happen. You don't want to miss them. People love them, so you don't want to miss them here on the Grid. 
by the way, last last bit of last bit of news as we there we go, just surpassed the two hour mark. Um uh, put up this comment once again by the grid. Monday, September 18th starts Grid Appreciation Week. Please join us all week with our great content creators as we celebrate one year on the 18th. There we go. Grid launched that day, around that day, two years ago, or one year ago, rather. So we're going to celebrate all week on the Grid Network, so definitely be sure to stop by. Great weekend of college football. Great weekend of NFL football. Cannot wait. By the way, Colorado's hanging 60 in Colorado State. Tennessee's beating Florida 34-20, to and it is going to be a great weekend. And Dak Prescott's going to go nuts on that Jets defense. You already know what it is, okay? It's Randy Quinn Prescott we're talking about. Who, 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 what are we kidding? All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Got some great football this weekend. Can't wait. See y'all on Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless y'all. Peace out. Now I'm drinking water today, not Gatorade. What are we talking about? Gatorade. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network. Need a metabolic reset? Try HealRight Micronutrient Bars. When eaten daily for eight weeks, clinical studies showed HealRight can improve cholesterol, blood sugar, and weight management. And great-tasting HealRight works without additional diet or lifestyle changes or the serious side effects of medications. Visit HealRight.com with code HEAL for 15% off. H-E-A-L-R-I-G-H-T.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.